of Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast. I can't believe it's been two years since we started this show. Uh, and it's just amazing. I mean, I look at all these wonderful faces and, and finally seeing a lot of people that have uh, been listening to the show for a long time now, and we really appreciate everybody being here. I am one of your four co-hosts, Tom Hanyadi. You may know me from my other show, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast, but we're not going to worry about that right now. We're worried about Talk More Talk. So I'm going to introduce to you my three other co-hosts, and she is the queen of all Beatles media. She is the author of the songs we were singing. She is Kittle Tool Kits. Hello, and how's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I am. I, thank you. I am so excited about this tonight. And I'm so excited to be with everybody here. This is going to be a just, I, I think, a blast tonight. That's right. That's right. Next up is, um, is our buddy. He's our, he's, our, he's our YouTuber. He is one of the leading YouTube Beatles, solo Beatles, vinyl entertainment, uh, you know, person out there. He's got a wonderful channel. Me, Mr. Mayo. He is Joe Mayo. Joe, what's going on, my friend? Oh, just looking forward, Tom, to a, a great time here. I, I can't wait to get to the questions, and this is going to be a blast. So <laughs> It is going to be a blast. And lastly but, yeah, lastly, but not least, he has been the DJ of the very popular Every Little Thing for almost 40 years now. 40 mm -hmm. years. That is amazing. Congratulations to that. And he also is Thank one of the co-hosts of the another extremely popular podcast, uh, Things We Said Today, which we just did a you know part two of our collaboration, but we'll get to that later. And he is the one and only Ken Michaels. Ken, hello, how are you? Great. Hi, Tom. Hi, Kit and Joe. Hi to all of our listeners and viewers. It is great to see you in the flesh. You know, all this time you've been a bunch of letters until now. <laughs> now we get to see your wonderful faces, and this is going to be great. That's this, right. This is a right. great milestone for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. We appreciate everybody being here. Now, if you're familiar with the fest, if, or if you've joined uh, the Fest for Beatles fans, the two last two virtual fests, you're kind of a little familiar with what's going on right here. However, the Queen is going to give you the lowdown on, on, on what you're going to be doing, how you're going to raise your hand, and, and how you can unmute yourself as well. So, Kit, as always, uh, lead us. All right. <laughs> well, what we are doing tonight, as I know you're all aware, is we're going to be playing a little game of Rack Our Brains. And 
you are going to be asking us the questions tonight um, and we are going to be answering off the top of our heads. Uh, you can ask us uh, about solo, uh, and these are opinion questions. You can ask us about solo stuff. You can ask us about Beatles stuff as well. Um, and if, um, and as Tom said, if you have uh, gone to any of the uh, Beatles, uh, Fest for Beatles fans virtual um, uh, fest that they've had this year, you're, you're probably kind of already familiar with how this will work. But here's, uh, what we're going to do, um, if you uh, click on participants, uh, if you look at, at the bottom of your screens, uh, your Zoom screens, you can click on participants, uh, you'll see your name there. And all you have to do is uh, click on your name and you'll see, I believe you'll see more um, <laughs> there. And, uh, and all you have to do is click on raise hand You'll see a bunch of options there, but you'll see raise hand. So, and yep, I see people doing it already. And so we'll, we're, we see, we'll see your hands raised there. So what we'll do is we'll call on you, you know, we'll call your name um, and uh, ask you to unmute yourself. And, uh, and then, you know, you ask your question, we will uh, answer, uh, we'll, you know, go back and forth, answer it. And then uh, when we're finished, we'll ask you to mute yourself and then uh, we'll uh, go on to the next person. So it's just so we can get to as many questions as we can, and, uh, and so it doesn't get too loud and confusing and everything. So, uh, so that's how it worked at the fest, worked pretty well. So I think that's, uh, that's how we're gonna do it tonight. So, uh, and uh, just to give an example of what we're gonna do, I'm gonna lead it off real quick. Guys, Joe, Ken, Kit, Better tribute to John Lennon here today or all those years ago? What say you, Ken Michaels? Oh, that's tough. Um, I'd go with here today. Here today okay. is a bit more emotional for me. Okay. Um, it really was very much from the heart. Not that all those years ago wasn't. But if you know the whole history of all those years ago, the melody was actually uh, okay. you know, a completely different song. And right. George just restructured it and added all new lyrics. So it'd be a tribute for John. True, it was a big, a big hit for him. But um, I love the whole arrangement of here today, very much in the style of yesterday with the string quartet. Um, and uh, it's, it's still, whenever he does the song live, it's very emotional. Yep. And you, you could feel it in him. Oh, absolutely. Song. Yeah. So um, I, I think that they're both great songs, but um, here today affects me more in the heart. Very good. Kittle Tool? I have to agree. I mean, I love all those years ago as, as well. Uh, but here today, just always, I mean, it, it, it's so moving. It's so beautiful. Um, Paul absolutely was speaking from the heart, mm. um, you know, referring to conversations that, that he and, and John had. I mean, you can right. just tell. And, and just that overall universal meaning that I think we can all relate to of, you know, when uh, to tell someone you love them right. when they're still yeah. alive, you yeah. know, and, and mm. to be sure you tell people how you feel about them. And so I think it's not only effective as a, as a personal song saying how he feels about John, but I think it also works as a song that is, has universal meaning too. Right. Um, and it's a beautiful, 
beautiful tribute. So much as I love all those years ago, I have to go with here today. Very good. Joe Bam. Some reason we can't hear you, Joe. Oh, we can't hear you, you Joe. Gotta... Are you muted? Are you muted? Can we un yep. <laughs> oh, we can't hear you. <laughs> oh. oh, we can't hear you. Okay. Well, <laughs> well all right. We'll see if we can fix the problem. We'll, we'll see, yeah, we'll see if we can fix the yeah. problem. And let me make yeah. sure that I don't think you're muted. Yeah, it doesn't say. It doesn't oh. say How's this? Oh, wait. Yes. There you I go. think we hear you oh, now. No. Yes. I was fiddling around with the volume before yeah. my headphones. Ah, okay. good. Because gotcha. I, I wanted to get a chance to say that I'm yeah. uh, here today for all the reasons that uh, you, you guys have already said. Uh, very emotional, very personal. John and Paul, you know, they were, you know, they were so close and the, the two main writers and really started everything before they got George into it, you know, and so forth. And I've never been, I hate to say, a big fan of all those years ago. I mean, I don't uh, dislike it per se, but I'm not a big fan of it. I, Always thought, you know, George trying to fit a lot of vocals into the lines and a little awkwardly, stuff like that. Um, I'd rather have it than not. But, uh, yeah, it's easy for me here today by a, a wide margin. Very good. Yes, uh, I, I will uh, go with here today as well. I mean, it's very moving, very touching, pulls at the heartstrings. And like you said, kid, the whole I love you thing, you know, getting out there, telling people, you love them before it's too late and uh you know and you can definitely hear it in his voice when he sings it that um you know he really loved john so um definitely i love both songs i love all those years ago as well but uh, here today for me is is the better tribute in my opinion so that being said that's how we're going to do it and we're going to start this off is everybody ready to go Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Can't hear okay. them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, first in line is Gary. Gary, go ahead and unmute yourself and ask your question. Hold on. We can't hear you. You, you got to unmute yourself. Got to unmute yep. yourself, Gary. Yeah, Gary Wilbur. Yep. You unmute yourself. Let me. It's the bottom left. Okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Go ahead, my friend. It's an honor to be on your show, by the way. I, I love the show, and thank, thank you. you for having me on. Thank you. Uh, my, thank you. My question is, um, opinion question, that is. I always wondered why Paul didn't consider seriously doing a complete album in concert, like Band on the Run, from start to finish. He still could have had an hour and a half to do all his regular songs from set list. And uh, I think the fans would, would have gone crazy for something like that. And other artists have done this kind of thing. I've, I saw Roger Daltrey do the whole Tommy, and he has a bad throat, you know, had a bad vocal problem. And he did, I saw him at National Coliseum do the whole Tommy um, album with a backing orchestra. And I just wondered why either Tug of War or Band on the Run or one other classic album that could fit his voice range at this point in time. Band on the Run to me would make sense because there's not too many screeches on that album. And um, I think he could probably get, and he sings three or four of the songs anyway mm -hmm. uh, uh, during most of his concerts. So I've seen him 12 times and um, I've seen, you know, he sang about five or six songs from the album and it's my favorite album. And I just wondered what you guys thought, um, either that or Tug of War, maybe why, why the reason he has for not doing it, for not considering it, um, I think it would be a great idea if if he ever if he, we ever have concerts again. 
and he goes back out <laughs> in the road, I think that would be fantastic. And I just wonder what you guys thought. Thank you. Who wants to start? I'll say something. I, I just yeah. think that uh, Paul probably doesn't want to do that. I just think it's something that he's not really interested in. He seems to want to do what he thinks most of the fans would like to hear. And I don't know if everybody would want to hear one album. I mean, as a diehard fan, I would love to, to hear something like that, you know, and, you know, make it back to the egg or something for me, you know. <laughs> uh -huh. But uh, I could see if he was going to do it, something like Band on the Run would probably be what he would think because he tends to pick a lot of what uh, he, he deems are his most popular albums and what people will accept more. It seems like he wants to uh, do more what the other people out there might be interested in rather than what he wants to do uh, from self as a, uh, the way I look at it, as a, as, as a solo artist, you know. He wants to, there's nothing wrong with wanting to please your bass, right? Uh, but I, I think it would be good if he took chances sometime and just said, look, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. If everybody doesn't like it, I'll do all solo songs one concert, no Beatles, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he wants to do that for the fans, especially people who've just seen him first time. Never seen them before, so. Okay, um, I can comment on this. Go ahead. I really think that probably to Paul it might be a bit boring, because it would be predictable, all the songs that he would do in order, um, and also you got to figure when you're going back to Wings, uh, the Wings material, who's going to sing the Denny Lane songs, who's going to sing uh, Jimmy McCullough song or, or you know and with uh, a tug of war album or pipes of peace who's going to sing the stevie wonder or the michael jackson <laughs> or you know that kind of thing uh or elvis costello so he's got to think about that as well although i think abe is a great I was just gonna say abe. you know he could he could fit the bill for all those things but he he probably has to apply that kind of thought to it but um i think paul just likes to mix it all up and um he is a crowd pleaser he does right. the kind of show where he, he said himself, he puts himself in the mind of the fan. What would he want? Uh, what, what would that person want to hear Paul do? So, um, and not only that, to a mainstream audience anyway, how many people know his solo albums aside from Band on the Run, which, you know, we all agree is one of his best albums. Some think that it's his best, but does the average person out there really know Tug of War? Does the average person know Flowers in the Dirt and Flaming Pie? We do. But if you're entertaining a crowd of 20,000 to 50,000 people, how many of them are going to know every single song on those, on those albums? I right. personally would love to see it. It could work if it's in a smaller venue and he announces ahead of time that he's doing it and all of us will go crazy knowing he's doing <laughs> the full album. But I think the thing is right now he's 78 years old. He's got to divide his time between doing concerts, spending time with his family, which is extremely important to him, and all the music projects that he does. So the number of shows that he can do in a year is limiting. And if he wants to attract as many people as possible, he's got to play bigger venues. If you're playing bigger venues, you've got to mainstream the show more. That's how I look at it. Right. Yeah, um, as, as, a, as a great of an idea that it is, um, you know, and the fact that he does play three hours, you know, you could easily fit in a, uh, you know, a 
30 to 40 minute album, you know, in between that time and still get all the, the big Beatles and, and McCartney hits in there, like you suggest, Gary. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I kind of agree with Ken. I mean, I think he would find it kind of boring. And um, he already plays half of the album. He's already played half of the album already. Um, so why do the rest? You know, does everybody or anybody really want to hear Picasso's last words? <laughs> you know, I do. Well, yeah. To your point, though, the casual fan, that's probably, you know, 80% of the audience most times are, you know, do they really want to hear, you know, Picasso's last words or, you know, but like you said, if, if he did make an announcement and say, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go out on tour, but I'm going to do the Band on the Run album uh, first, um, then I think people could accept that. I mean, but will he do it? I don't, I don't see it. I don't know, because I mean, yes, I mean, real. if you look at it realistically, but look at when, you know, Stevie Wonder did the Songs in the Key of Life tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chicago's done the Chicago 2 album full. Exactly. You know, live, you know. I mean, those can be very successful. And uh, um, now, in in my, you know, fantasy world, I would love to see him do a full album tour. I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I'd love to see him do tug of war. I mean, I uh, sign me up. <laughs> I'd love to. And, and uh, Saul um, uh, uh, Perez just uh, wrote a comment here in the chat, which is true. It said, didn't uh, Paul have uh, Hamish Stewart uh, sing Stevie's part on uh, Ebony and Ivory in the 90 tour? Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, he could have uh, that as well. I mean, have somebody filled in. But yeah, I mean, realistically, yes, if he, if Paul is still wanting to appeal to the, you know, casual fan as well as the hardcore fan, he probably would say, well, I don't know if the, you know, average fan would, would come and want to listen to the entire Tug of War album. But, you know, for me, as I said, sign me up. Even though we all it. would. I yeah, mean, I'd love to hear dress dress me up as a robber live. I mean, you know, I'd love to hear that. But I'd love to hear um, what's what's that you're doing? <laughs> oh, you kidding? Right. I mean, right. absolutely. ballroom dancing. You know? All right, absolutely. Wanderlust. Uh, cool. All right. So moving on. Thanks for your question, Gary. Yeah, thank yeah, you. That was great. Yeah, we're gonna skip Dylan. We're gonna go. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Dylan, go <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, my friend, go ahead and unmute yourself and and. Uh, Speak. Okay. <laughs> okay. The, Kit, the bottom. I might have to... Oh, okay. I need to. Okay. Let me request. Uh, ask to unmute. Here we go. Okay. Yes. There you go. There All it right. is. There we go. Uh, Ken, Kit, finally nice to meet you guys face to face. Nice to meet you. And uh, Joe, been watching your channel for a while. Nice to meet you as well. Thanks. And uh, hey, Tom, what's up? So um, <laughs> I would like to know from all of you, because I'm in the business of hot takes here. So what I want from each of you is a song in the solo catalog that's generally not well regarded, songs like Freedom, Bye Bye Love. I want a song of that ilk from any one of the four that you really like. I want a song that is well regarded, whether it's a hit like Imagine, Don't Come Easy, or an album track like Domino's, Don't Let Me Wait Too Long, that you maybe either dislike or you like just fine, but you're not that hot on. 
And most importantly, I want to know exactly how you think this show will take off when I finally replace Tom and, and really <laughs> usher in sort of a new light and hope into the, the era of uh, Beatles podcasting. Uh, great. But more importantly, the first two. Okay. So, so the first part of the question yeah. is you want us to pick a underrated song that most that, that you want yeah, or, or a, so, a song that people in general just don't, don't like particularly okay. like okay got you kit you want to start well actually dress me up as a robber was, <laughs> <laughs> was one that uh, that i've i've always liked um and mm. uh, and you know i i don't know why it gets uh, so much hate um i've i've always thought it you know had a little bit of a jazzy quality to it and um you know i'm not saying it's it's one of his all-time best uh but uh but i've i've always enjoyed it i think it has some nice core changes uh to it and um you know, I just think it's sort of a underrated track on um, uh, Tug of War. So I, I think it's, um, I think that'd be a pick of mine. I think it's uh, unfairly uh, criticized. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I'll pick um, uh, Drowning in the Sea of Love um, as, as, a, as a track that, um, you know, since we did that review of the album, um, it's one that I've I've come to appreciate more. Let's say <laughs> um, after giving it some more attention, you know, not to uh, steal another Ringo song, but um, but uh, that would be my pick. So uh, Ken, uh, well, wonderful Christmas time certainly gets a lot of hate out there in in, uh, in the internet. And um, I have always, from day one, loved that song. Mm. It's catchy as hell. I always look forward to hearing it. Anytime it's on the radio, I crank it up. <laughs> I don't understand the hatred for that song. There's a lot of people who don't like the fact that Paul can write all these earworms that are stuck in your head. And yeah. I've, always, I've always defended that if you have these songs stuck in your head, you must like them. There's nothing mm. wrong with that. <laughs> it means it's grabbing you. It's gripping right. in some way. And, um, you know, Paul has this incredible gift for coming up with all these catchy melodies that he does. And uh, I know a lot of people like to point out that they think that with the synthesizers, it sounds dated. I don't think it sounds dated to me, you know, and I don't even care if it sounds dated. Right. But, uh, you know, I love Wonderful Christmas Time. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs from any artist. And yet it gets okay. written up as one of the worst Christmas songs. Right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Joe? I think... Uh... There's a few that are in my mind, but I think I'm going to go with Do the Oz mm. by uh, John with Yoko. Right. And that's only because uh, I just think it's so deliriously fun. Uh, it's like a warped psychedelic version of the Hokey Pokey. Do the Hokey Pokey. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of like the same way that I like You Know My Name, look up the number, you know. Uh, I like the fact that it's kind of offbeat. I mean, it's you know, rare track. I mean, if it was just on a regular album, I don't know if I'd find it. Uh, I should have checked my machine. That's another one by Paul. I, I, stuck to in there. I love check my machine also. And but, do check uh, yeah. out um, um, uh, Joe's channel. Oh, he did a cover <laughs> of did check cover my machine. That you have to, you have oh, to no. see it. Um, <laughs> so, 
that's my pick for for that one. I, okay, and I then, have a few, but all right. And then your 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 follow up was is pick a song that you like that the the bulk of the people don't like. Was was that? No, we need a song no. that everyone seems to love, whether that's a hit or a well regarded okay. album track that you are not super okay. hot on. And gotcha. Ken, I want you to start on this one. Because... <laughs> there aren't any. <laughs> oh. I mean, really, there's only a handful of songs from the solo catalog that I don't care for. And those are songs that are album cuts that were never hits that most people don't even know. But all the songs that people do know, I do like. There are songs that I'm burnt out on, if, if that will accept you. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you I know? will begrudgingly. Of, of, I, <laughs> yes, I will take okay, that. Okay, you'll accept that? Okay. Um, <laughs> I am kind of burnt down on Imagine. And yet I will mm. say it is a great song, but it's yeah. always looked at as being, you know, his signature song and it deserves to be, you know, the universal theme of it all. But um, at the expense of so many other great songs that John has done in his solo career, I wish those songs would get more attention than Imagine. Mm -hmm. you know. My pick uh, is uh, Whatever Gets You Through the Night. Um, never been uh, a big uh, fan of that song. Period. It's it's really loud to my ears. I, I don't think it's uh, it's it was mixed uh, very well. And um, you know, and I think he kind of you know got a freebie on that one with the number one with the, the help of the uh, the number one musician of of, of the seventies at that point in time. And I know Kenny <laughs> probably disagree with that, but you it, know, it it did help. There's no doubt yeah. about it. But still, the public responded because yeah. it was the chemistry of the two of them. It was still a great Fair song. Enough. Yeah, fair enough. You know, um, Kit. I would have to agree with that. Um, as as I think about it, I've never particularly liked that song, and and for the main reason you said, I hate the mix. Um, I I really don't like the mix, and I guess another one that I've I've never particularly liked. I mean, I guess I would say in general, uh, John's rock and roll album. Um, has always been a little disappointing to me in in terms of the mix again um, and so you know maybe stand by me his cover of it I mean it's okay to me I I've just always felt like it could be a, could have been a little bit better with with a better you know better mix but um, but probably whatever gets you through the night would be yeah. my number one pick can I just okay. ask between you and Tom what you don't like about the mix of whatever gets you through the night I thought it was fantastic, especially mixing the sax in there, which really drove the song and the piano. And you know, high. for me, it's just it's a volume thing. It just I and I think the 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 sax just comes on too strong. Whether or not that's the point of it, hmm. fine. It's just not to my ears. It's just you know, it's a little maybe too aggressive. Maybe I love the sax. Little, yeah. Maybe it just feels a little chaotic. Maybe. Yes. In general. Yeah. That's a good. Thank word. you. Yeah. That's yeah. I I'd like more clarity to it, and I mean yeah, that is crying out for some remastering. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, uh, Joe. Ken, Ken is in full agreement. Walls and <laughs> Bridges. Walls and Bridges. I think was really produced extremely well. The okay. entire album, I think. Mm -hmm. But that's that's my opinion. Right. Yeah. Joe. Well, if I say Little Lamb Dragonfly. I, I can't back it up with why exactly. I know Ken always likes it. I have to describe why you'd feel that way. just doesn't appeal to me. I don't think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, like everybody seems to think uh, about that. A lot of fans love that, that track. I think I'm the only one I've ever heard 
Oh, is this, oh, somebody's going like this, Robert. Is that you? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's the one I wanted to go with. Um, I guess. Um, I, by the way, whatever gets you through the night has never been uh, a favorite of mine either. Uh, you know, it's f funny. You know, he's the only number one while he was alive, John. But uh, um, I'll just throw that in there. But yeah, I, I can't really uh, explain it. Uh, I just don't think it's that much of a great song i hear everybody saying that they love that song little right. dragonfly so because of that reason it kind of leaves me empty i don't okay. know i wouldn't even think of it uh, if it wasn't for the fact that everybody seems to love it so much gotcha. it's okay fair enough okay let's move on dylan thank you very much yeah for, for yeah we'll discuss here. tom's secession plan off air thank you guys <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks dylan all right, so we're going to move on, and uh, Joanne Grubbs, you are next, so I will, uh, I will... I think you can uh, you can all unmute yourselves now. I think I fixed the settings, so okay. uh, so go so... ahead, and I think you can do it Okay. Now. Can you all hear right. me? Yes. yes. Yeah. Hello. Okay. Right. Well, hello, everyone. Um, hello. Uh, yeah, it's just greetings from fans on the run, by the way. All right. Oh. <laughs> Um, I just uh, had a question that almost came up in the first segment when you guys came on. Um, wanted to ask which of Paul's uh, singles makes you feel emotional and you feel his emotion coming through. For me, it was early days and also scared. Um, those are two that really touched me and I can feel his emotion coming through when he sings it. Interesting. So, so yeah. which one of Paul's singles uh, touches us or gets us emotional? Yes. Okay. Uh, Joe, you want to start? Oh, uh, thanks for starting me with that one. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Some of these are hard on short notes. I know they're there, but uh, well, it has to be singles, right? Not an album track. Does it have to be a single or can it be oh, anything? It could be an album, album Well, track. I mean, the first thing I thought of was The End of the End. Mm -hmm. oh, if we're talking album track. Yes. Yeah, and while yeah. they're going on, I can think of singles while other people are talking here. Yeah, maybe. yeah. No, but uh, it's just such a, a touching uh, statement on how Paul wants to be thought of and remembered after his his days passed and he's gone. Uh, I always admired the fact that Paul actually touched on a subject like that at all. I mean, I thought that was really mm -hmm. good of him to open himself up and make himself vulnerable like that. So that's cool. that's always uh, kind of touched to me, tear-inducing a little bit. I get choked up when I listen to that. So uh, that's the track that I'm going to pick as far as uh, we do anything, just album tracks. But uh, I'll... Okay. Looks like uh, Joe may have froze. Um, Kit, let's go with you. Um, I would say Some Days. Mm. Um, there are so many tracks on Flaming Pie. i trying to think of a single, though. The others are... That, that are... are emotional for me but um i i think it's you know also i i think it's the background of the right. recording of that song knowing that you know linda uh, of course was was ill and uh i think that it, it just when i listen to that it's it's just so moving when you know some days i look at you with eyes that shine mm. um you know it's like he knew that their time together was, you know, was not infinite. Right. Um, mm. And I, I just 
am so moved whenever I, I hear that. And as I said, there's so many tracks on Flaming Pie uh, that I, I find uh, moving. I mean, you know, Little Willow as well. Oh, I mean, yeah. That is such a, Absolutely. Oh, I mean, that, that gets you right here, too. Yeah. But, uh, but I think um, Lately Some Days has, has really... Okay. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Good, good choices by the both of you so far. Um, mine, I, 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 you know, I like, I get emotional when those, with those two tracks as well, but mine for some reason has, has been uh, Some People Never Know uh, for me uh, from Wildlife. Um, I just love the, how, you know, Paul and Linda sing that song together. I love the lyrics, what they're singing together. You know, no one else will ever see how much faith you have in me. Um, you know, I, to me, you know, those lyrics are, are moving to me, you know, just as the, the showing just how tight they are as, as a couple. And, um, you know, that's, that's my pick. Um, Ken? Wow, these choices are amazing. And it's, uh, you know, I was thinking of Some Days Myself, um, you know, that's such a moving song. And you know that the marriage of Paul and Linda was so special. They really loved each other. Probably the most, one of the most successful couples in entertainment history. They barely were ever apart. So right. a song like Some Days, because you know how tight they were uh, with that relationship. But that wasn't a single. So if I had to pick a single, even though it wasn't a big hit, um, I would say probably, I don't know what it is, but this one moves mm. me yeah. a lot. I remember... Um, after Linda McCartney died, I usually never have any problem crying when somebody dies that's major in my life. And I didn't cry when Linda died and I kept saying, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Why can't you cry? And I was working at my job in New York City and while I was doing certain work, I played this cassette of just a mixtape of McCartney stuff and this one came on and it just came pouring out of me. Mm. And I don't know why that particular song does, maybe certain words that are in the lyrics. Did mm. I ever touch you right. on the cheek, say that you were mine? Um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, for some reason, that song still moves me. And I always associate that song with my letting it out mm. <laughs> that <laughs> night. And I don't know what it is. You said some story yourself, Joe, about a certain song that had that kind of an effect on you. Well, I mean, I don't know which song in particular we're talking about, but with, yeah. with this one, um, as, you, as you're talking, yeah, that's another one that uh, does the same to me. I mean, a lot of mm. times with, you know, you realize people that you used to know, used to, you know, uh, my ex-wife, for example, I could have <laughs> done this a little bit more, you know, stuff like right. that. Yeah. Um, you Well, you know, you learn from past, mm. but uh, that, the, the subject of that is... Should, should touch you. I think yeah. it does. Such mm. a, don't let cool. those moments pass. Right. You know, right. Don't, don't keep putting it off and procrastinating kind of thing. You know. There you go. Good see job. how you feel and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Very good. good. Let's good uh, say hi to Marvin. Marv just popped in. How you doing, Marv? Hello. Good. I'm doing great. Can Hello. you hear me? Yeah. Hello, Marvin. Hey, Marvin. Yeah. Hey. Good. All right. Hey, great. So great gonna... to talk to you. Sorry, I'm late. No, <laughs> it's okay. You're here now. You're here today. That's all that matters. Anyways, here today. <laughs> all right, we're moving on. We're going great to go question. to. Uh, we're going to go to. Uh, yes, thank you for that question. We're going to move to uh, Edward, my friend Edward Crawford. Ed, can you unmute yourself and uh, we'll uh, ask a question. There you go. There you buddy. go. All right. Well, it's good to talk to everybody, and you know that I've. Uh, 
No, just good to be on and honored to, to talk to everybody. So I'm going to have to rep Broad Street on this question. So as I was holding <laughs> this up earlier for the uh, prior to the broadcast, uh, just what's your thoughts on a Broad Street archive coming out? Because for me personally, I don't mind buying No More Lonely Nights, another, you know, seventh grade <laughs> time or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Andy wants thoughts, it. But just kind of your, your thoughts on that. That's really the, the question that, you know, the possibility of it coming out in the uh, archive series. I want everything to come yeah. out on the archives, including sure. Broad Street. And, uh, yeah, you know, I like the music in it. Uh, maybe the, the redo songs I don't like as much as the originals, although I do love that medley that Paul does early in the film when he does Wanderlust. And, you Here, know, there, and everywhere. Yeah, yeah, there, everywhere, and yesterday. Um, oh, yeah, I definitely would like to see that. Then I really hope Paul is going to have all of his catalog represented. You know, yeah. and that, that just stops stop at a certain point. You know, right? I I agree hundred percent. I would love to see a Broad Street box set with uh, the movie. Hopefully, he won't do it separate like he did with the Wings Over uh, America box set, where he he sold the um, the rock show separately um, and it wasn't in the box set. So I, I would hope that the, the movie. Uh, along with uh, what the, the Rupert uh, filmed to open it like it did in, in, in theaters. So that would be really cool if, if that got um, some, um, some work on it. Um, but yeah, get all of those songs on there. Um, I'm all for it and I want it. And uh, Kit, what say you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can't say that I'm, I'm a huge fan of the film, but I mean, yeah, for a completist uh, collection, absolutely. The soundtrack I do like a lot, um, mm -hmm. and I would love uh, to have uh, an archive set with that for sure. Um, I, you know, I, I love the, of course, I love No More Lonely Nights. I love the remakes of the Beatles stuff. I like the, um, you know, the Not Such a Bad Boy. And also, I would love to uh, hear outtakes from those sessions, mm -hmm. um, other stuff you recorded at that time. So, yeah, I would. I would welcome it, and uh, you know, maybe some uh, background of uh, uh, what, why he did that movie. <laughs> I like that. that. Would I'd like to hear some interviews uh, to have him explain it. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, no matter what, uh, I'm I'm a completist. I I would uh, welcome that. I mean, I I'm you know I think we'd all welcome. Um, archive sets for all this stuff i mean Absolutely. all those albums mm -hmm. you know no matter yeah. what whether it was a, a project that was not as well received shall we say um it's still something that you know it's it's still fascinating um right. it's still fascinating and there's always something in it that uh that is still worth studying and and uh and preserving so uh, so yeah I, I mean i think it would be worth doing i i'd buy it cool ken well, I agree with everything that you guys have said. I do feel like when you're dealing with a legend like McCartney, everything he's ever done is a part of history and should be addressed, whether it was a success or a flop. And um, in this particular case, I'd love to see, you know, a DVD Blu-ray, best quality of the movie. I'd like to see uh, the CD remastered with uh, outtakes from the sessions, especially with that killer band he had in there with Dave oh, yeah. Edmonds and Ringo. Yeah, it's my favorite you part know. of the movie. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. hear outtakes of No Values and Not Such a Bad Boy, different takes of uh, No More Lonely Nights, maybe even a demo of that. Right. You know, we're so much into demos these days. You know, maybe right. you might want to hear that or No Values or Not Such a Bad Boy. I actually really love 
um, Good Night Lonely Princess, hmm. that bonus track at the very yeah. end of the CD, which I thought was very cool. It's very much in the style of a 1930s big band or Lawrence Welk type right. of instrumental. I, mm -hmm. you know, I love that kind of stuff. And maybe with the DVD, maybe outtakes from the movie. Absolutely. Might be Delete, cool. Yeah, deleted scenes, if there were any. Sure. Yeah. And not only that, uh, we discussed this also on, on Two Legs, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. It might fit to have Rupert and the Frog song included in there, even though there was a DVD of the animated collection, which might even fit with this whole box set, because when Broad Street came out in the movie theaters, in some theaters, it was preceded by the animated short of Rupert. So I kind of connect the two together. Right. So yeah, you could do a lot of nice things with the box set with Broad Street. Sure, sure. And and we gotta look at it like, okay, so he's, some of the box sets, when they, those albums originally came out, such as like Wildlife, I mean, they were panned. And now they're coming out and now they've been reevaluated favorably. You know, not that, that uh, Broad Street is all, you know, is all of a sudden gonna become, become this masterpiece up there with Citizen Kane or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, the fact, like you said, Ken, it, it's, a, it's a living legend, you know, and all of his stuff should be available to anybody who wants to buy it at any point in time in their life. Uh, in my in my humble opinion. So um, anybody else have anything to add for that? I'm just glad that he's addressing all of his albums. Right. I really do think that at some point, all of them, even the more recent ones, will come out in an archive box set at okay. some point. We'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Hope, not. Hope not. OK, cool. Thank you very much, Edward. Appreciate Thank your you question. Yes, and now we're going to move on to the one and only, the, 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 he's dressed for success over there, he's looking good, one and only Mr. Ethan Alexanian. Ethan, my friend, go ahead and unmute yourself and ask away. Hi, Ethan Alexanian here with the token uh, joke question. <laughs> so, right. if you were stranded on a desert island and oh, you could boy. only take 10 Ringo solo albums, <laughs> which would you take? Oh boy. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. So, with all this talk about Ringo a new bashing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone's favorite pastime. Yeah. Um, with all I'm this right. talk about a new McCartney album coming Ooh. out, if you could have any one of his past collaborators of any of his solo projects, which would you like to see come back? Boy. I didn't get that. See, I'm so oh. too busy thinking of something else. <laughs> if if say, repeat the question, please, well. Tom's thinking. Oh, <laughs> uh, if if there uh, if you could uh, if any of, of Paul's past collaborators would come back and work with him again, uh, which one and and why? Interesting. Um, John Lennon. Uh, I, <laughs> you're talking about only only the only if the person's alive. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, well. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that I absolutely love the major collaborations of Elvis Costello and Eric Stewart, and I think his work was very underrated with Paul and Denny Lane, um, if he could seriously, seriously make an album with Stevie Wonder, <laughs> I'd be the first one in line for it. Yeah. You know, Stevie is my favorite person in the world outside of the Beatles. And, um, you know, he's, he's put out some of the most brilliant works. He's a genius just like Paul, can play all the instruments just like Paul. If the two of them got together and really, you know, worked for a year to two years, you know, they could put together one of the greatest albums ever. 
you know, so because of my love for Stevie, right. that's why I would say that. Okay. I second that heartily. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, you know, I know many of you know me know, yeah, I, I too am a, am a Stevie, you know, Stevie freak. And uh, I would love the two of them to, to work together again. I mean, the little taste of it we got, Mm. Uh, gosh, I'd love to see you know hear more of that and mm. uh, and yeah, to to have the two of them as you said, you know, collaborate for a year or so. I mean, I think they definitely have more to say. Um, and uh, and I I would exactly I would be maybe Ken would be first in line. I'd be second in line <laughs> to buy that. <laughs> when when uh, this collaboration took place, whether well, I think it was six or seven years ago, I think it took everybody by surprise. And we never really, we don't get to see McCartney rock out like that as much as he used to from the 70s. And I'll, I'm not going to lie, I was a big Nirvana fan in the 90s. And uh, if, if he could reunite with the, 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 the living members of Nirvana for a full album, I'll be first in line for that. <laughs> so that's my, that's, that's my pick. I'd probably uh, go with Stevie Wonder also. Um with Kit and Ken, just because I think out of all the artists that he collaborated with, Stevie probably would be my favorite of the bunch. Although I like what Tom said about uh, those rocking uh, songs that were like were done, uh, Dave Grohl, things yep. like that. So those were good. But yeah, uh, yeah I'd go. I'd pick Stevie. Okay, great. There you go, Ethan. Would it be satisfy your uh, your question? I'm never satisfied. <laughs> However, I am looking forward to eventually replacing Ken Womack. Oh, oh. shots fired. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> look at the time. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Ethan, for Thanks, your question. Ethan. Very good. Next up is Ron. Ron, will you please unmute yourself and ask your question? Okay. Um, hi, everyone. So. Hi. Hi. Uh, revelation about um, the meeting the Beatles had after Abbey Road and mm. thinking about a follow-up. Um, let's say that came to fruition and uh, uh, it was going to happen. Do you think it would be a good idea or, sorry, we're better off just let it be and go on to their solo career? Interesting. Um, you know, what a powerful meeting that uh, that was. And um, I would say that I think it would be it would be good to see what you know songs George would be able to get on there. I would be all for it, just because I know George's material was so strong at that point, and um, I know if uh, it was to happen, I know John had some great stuff there for for Plastic Ono Band. So if that were to happen, I, I would say I think it would make a very strong album if if each song if the four songs from from the three were worked on as with their vision and the other, you know, three, you know, all on the same page and, and work those songs the way the, the person that wrote those songs would, would want to see that song um, uh, recorded. So I would yeah. say uh, what an amazing album I think that would, that would be. However, unfortunately that didn't happen, but yeah, I would have been for it. Absolutely. Uh, Kit? Boy, you know, I've, I've thought about this, this question, and I, I'm so torn about it because on the one hand, I, I feel that way, you know, like, wow, it would have been great to, to hear them do one more album. And on the other hand, you know, I, I just keep thinking, but 
maybe they were smart to go out on top. Um, you know, that, I mean, it's hard, it would have been hard to top Abbey Road. I mean, you know, Abbey Road was just the perfect, in, in my opinion, farewell album. Um, and, uh, and I know what it became after that, but I consider, I mean, in, in terms of the recording, uh, the order of recording that, that Abbey Road was, you know, it was just a, a perfect farewell album. Um, and could they have topped that? I, I just, I, I don't know. Also the way they were going in different directions, uh, then I, I don't know if they honestly could have gotten together uh, for for one more and that they were all you know I think we talked about this on on a previous show um, you know the stuff John was doing like with the, the Plastic Ono Band album you know he couldn't have done that in the con in my opinion in the confines of the Beatles I mean I don't see him doing right. you know isolation or something like that or or, or, George, or mother right? mother particularly george right. with the, some of the more spiritual stuff perhaps maybe yeah, right. maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. i don't see him doing that you know mm. in in the context of the beatles so in a way i feel like it it kind of happened the way it it mm -hmm. should have happened um right. i i you know but i mean sure part of me thinks gosh that would have been great to have one more album but in a way i think maybe it happened the way it, it should have Right. Okay. Uh, Ken? Um, thank you for saying what you did, Kit, because I've been saying some of the same things for quite a while. I think the four Beatles went in their own musical different directions in such a way that the bulk of the solo catalog consists of songs that I really couldn't hear the Beatles doing as a group. There are some songs that are Beatlesque that I could hear as Beatles songs, like Woman, which John pointed out was like a Beatles song, or even I Know I Know from Mind Games, I can hear the Beatles backing up. But most of the songs from the solo career, I think really belong as solo tracks. Plastic Ono Band, I can't hear Paul and George on that album. Mm. Ringo, Ringo gets along with everybody. Ringo can drum for anybody. But when it comes to the three primary songwriters within the Beatles, and the same thing with All Things Must Pass, there's no way on earth I could ever picture John and Paul on that album. Mm. I really can't. You know, I just can't see them getting into that much of the spiritual side of George Harrison. And I'm glad those albums came out the way they did. I know that there are a lot of people, especially since I read this on social media all the time, who seem to think that if the four Beatles got together for some of their solo music, it would automatically be better than what they put out. I wouldn't change a thing about Plastic on Old Band or All Things Must Pass or most of the solo music. So I think that, that that meeting was very interesting because at least what it proved was, in the case of John in particular, he acknowledged the fact that there was a problem that George didn't get enough songs. And if the Beatles could work something out where George got four songs and John and Paul were happy to do those George songs, they probably wouldn't have been happy to do the All Things Must Pass stuff. They even rejected it. Yeah. I mean, sure. they did some of that stuff during the Get Back, Let It Be sessions. None of that stuff made their own, you know, group uh, recordings and only ended up on All Things Was Fast. And instead yeah. we got we got For You Blue and I Me Mine, which I think is weaker than most of what's on All Things Was Fast anyway. So I think it's good the way that it went out, but if there was a way 
where they could compromise. And John and Paul liked four songs from George and wouldn't mind giving him more time on the album. Yeah, it could have been interesting. But at the same time, sorry to take up too much time here. Yeah. It's very difficult to juggle a group and solo career at the same time. Yeah. You know, I, it sounds simple. And some bands have done it for a temporary period of time, like Genesis and the mm -hmm. Eagles. But, you know, put yourself in the mindset of the four Beatles. If you're writing songs, what songs would make a Beatles album? What would make the solo album? Where do you fit them? What do you do when you go on tour? Do you do Beatles stuff? Do you do solo stuff? How do you juggle all that? I think I'm, I'm really glad the Beatles ended the way that they did from a creative point of view. The sad point about the Beatle breakup was more how it affected their relationships with each other, right. especially the strain with Paul. Yeah. Cool. So, all right. Sorry so, that took so long. That's all right. <laughs> we have all night. Yeah. We have all night. Yeah. Um, I, I have always felt that the Beatles ended at the right time. I mean, history shows that. I mean, they really did well. They went out on top. And I always thought eventually it was inevitable that they had to have a, a dog of an album at some point, you know, whether it went on into the 80s or what, I don't know how long it would take. But um, it's funny that I also wonder, well, hmm, you know, they really weren't getting along that well uh, during the Get Back sessions, and they were able to pull it together to do Abbey Road, which is very happy and upbeat, if you look at it that way. Mm. Um, even George Martin thought that, oh, you know, I don't want to work with them anymore after that. I didn't want to be bothered with them, and then they, they asked me to produce an album like I used to and do it, you know, your, your, your touch and everything. So then I wonder, could it be that maybe they had one more album in them, you know? I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't go on much farther than that. Uh, you, you know, I, I don't want to get into dirty work or, you know, like the Stones or anything like that, you know. Uh, so I don't know, you know, it's funny. I, I'm very happy, always been happy. I, I love the solo careers. After you have the Beatles breakup, then you branch out into four avenues to enjoy. And everything the Beatles do or did together as a group, all of it's uh, close to flawless, if not flawless, you know. I mean, it's it's... Good to great stuff. And I don't know, one more album? Uh, I, I don't know if, if they, they might have been able to pull off one more. Some people I know think they could have gone on to like 73 or four, but I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Cool, cool. All right. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Enjoy Ron. That thank question. You. Thank you. Great question. Yep. All right. We're going to go to uh, Jeremy. Jeremy, please unmute yourself and, and ask your question. There we go. Hi, guys. Hey, buddy. Oh, Jeremy. Great work, as always. And I've got two quick questions. I'm going to cut right to the point. All right. The first, is, it was mentioned at the beginning about Beetlefest. And I think the older I get, I've mentioned this to Joe, you know, even in person at the fest, is it shocks me. And again, maybe because I'm now in my 40s, I'll admit it. But I'm surprised at the under 30 crowd, how unknowledgeable they are, even with the hits of the 50 years now of the solo Beatles. It shocks me. And if you're going to a thing like Beatlefest, you know, and I know Ken and Joe, obviously, and all of you will, the music is great after 1970. And it just surprises me where there's really, whether it's during trivia competitions discussions where there's blank and the answer is maybe I'm amazed or it's imagined 
you know, maybe they know a little bit of that. So I just wanted to get your opinions on that. That's question one. Question two is you guys talked earlier about not liking the mix on whatever gets you through the night. Well, in about two and a half weeks, you're going to have a chance to hear a new mix of it. So I want to know the four of your opinions on the upcoming John Lennon, Give Me Some Truth, Mach 2 box set. And I'll shut up and listen. <laughs> so, so first, uh, our thoughts on the younger crowd, more knowledgeable about Beatles and not so knowledgeable about the solo careers. Very, very knowledgeable about the solo, yes. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Kit, you want to start off on that? Well, this is really funny because we were actually <laughs> sort of talking about this, mm -hmm. um, something similar uh, yesterday uh, when we were doing uh, kind of a, a test for tonight. Um, and, um, and it's actually amazing to me that even even some of the over 30 crowd. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, that was my line, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it isn't just the under 30, and and, and it astounds me because, um, you know, for example, like with Wings, I mean, Wings was a big group. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't have to tell all of you this, but I mean, you know, they had, uh, I mean, in the 70s, they were huge. I mean, you know, I was, I was born in 72, and so I was, you know, a bit young when they were, you know, when they were big, but I mean, even I remember <laughs> you know, um, by 1980 that, you know, like in particularly the late 70s and so forth, that, you know, they had big hits. So it, it astounds me that that some people still don't really know uh, that material. And, um, and it's, it's, uh, and it's amazed me as we started doing this show, um, that people have said to us, um, you know, wow, never heard those songs. Um, and, you know, and it's amazing, like for me and Tom, I think you've said this too, that, mm. you know, for us, um, the solo years were actually our introduction to the Beatle years. <laughs> you know, we mm -hmm. kind of came into it the opposite direction. Same so, year, absolutely. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so it's, it, it does kind of amaze me. Uh, right. And of course, you still hear, um, you know, although... Ken will tell you radio has changed so much, but for a long time, I mean, you were still hearing um, particularly Paul, uh, John, and George songs on the radio. You still hear mm -hmm. Imagine, you know, you still hear that kind of stuff. So I agree that it's it's amazing that um, there is that, you know, that there is this gap in knowledge of the, the years, even though, you know, they all had pretty pretty successful careers and and uh i i don't really you know have a great answer i mean part of it might be the way as i said the radio has changed um mm. that they're not getting quite the same kind of airplay that they used to mm -hmm. but uh but it's true i mean i i was at my dentist the other day and the and the uh my dentist of course you know noticed i was wearing a Beatles shirt and he was talking about it and, the, and his assistant who looked in her 20s was kind of like you know the the dentist said were you know John Lennon Paul McCartney and all and she knew Paul, but when he <laughs> mm. said John, she was kind of like I, I I think I've heard of him, mm -hmm. and then when he said George Harrison, blank, right, you know so I don't know what the answer is but well, uh, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of it too is, is is you know growing up, you know the the when you're growing up as well, you know I was born in '73, 
I really didn't get you know familiar with you know with uh, the work of the Beatles until mid '80s. However, I did discover you know Paul through MTV earlier. Right. And now growing up in Michigan, where it's just my parents were Motown heavy. I mean, everything was a lot of I mean, just a lot of Motown growing up, a lot of '70s soul growing up. So, you know, so for me, I didn't have that, uh, you know, connection with a family member uh, at that point in time. It wasn't until like the mid 80s, like I said, but, um, but then also, okay, in the mid 80s too, you know, you're also you know, competing with the, you know, the divas are starting to come out now with Madonna, Whitney Houston, and then all the hair metal bands were, were all the rage at that point in time. So for me, um, when I was discovering the Beatles, it was just me to to figure to learn and discover all that stuff. So I really didn't have um, that help, like a lot of people may have had, like if they were, you know, say ten or thirteen in the early seventies, um, when that stuff was getting played on the radio all the time. Which then we'll give it to Ken, and he can explain, you know, more about that aspect of it. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, I've been in radio now for forty years, and when I first started doing my show in nineteen eighty-two, think about it tug of war time <laughs> there was still a lot of airplay being given to the solo beatles paul had his duets that were big hits um he even had uh the hits from double fantasy and then uh, nobody told me from john later on you had got my mind set on you as a number one hit so the 80s was still a pretty big decade for the solo beatles but i've been doing my show now for for almost 40 years and so much has changed in radio it has become more and more of a business now, I discussed something a few shows back about the fact that, you know, as artists get older, gradually, once you make it to age 55, <laughs> radio doesn't care about you. The advertisers don't care about you. So they're only going to play artists that they feel attract a younger crowd. And they feel that as artists get older, their audience grows older with them, and they gradually phase out their new music of that time which is why when Paul releases a new album, it gets minimal airplay on the radio. And certainly on stations that cater to a very young demographic, what we used to call top 40 radio, he'll get no airplay. There's no chance Paul McCartney will ever have a hit record. And certainly Ringo will never have a hit record unless there's some kind of fluke, like it's in a big movie. Or if he teams up with a, a major name of the time, like Kanye West, you know, that's, that's about the only way that Paul can have a hit. And that's the way that radio works. In addition to that, as radio became more and more of a business, there was this thing called consultants who mm -hmm. ruined this business, as far as I'm concerned. There's a lot of testing that was done to find out what songs work well, what, what their audience wants to hear. And so a lot of oldie stations and classic rock stations would play only the top 300 or top 500, and it would be the same throughout the country. So if you're a parent growing up, and you, if you're a parent and you have kids growing up and you're playing oldies radio or classic rock radio, and a lot of the songs that you grew up on, whether it's Beatles, solo, whatever, you're not hearing anymore. That's what the young kids are being exposed to. So you might still hear Band on the Run on a classic rock station, but you're not going to hear Junior's Farm as much. And you're not going to hear the poppier stuff from Paul, like Silly Love Songs and Let Him In and Goodnight Tonight. Those stations are not going to play that kind of music. Radio became very splintered. A lot of stuff that works on classic rock would work more on what they now call classic hits, which 
we used to call oldies. So only certain songs get played now. And if that's your major exposure to this music, you're not being exposed to all this other music that we grew up on from the solo music. And that's why you still hear Band on the Run, you still hear Imagine, you still hear Jet. And now I think maybe I'm amazed it's become the number one McCartney song in his solo career. That's the one I hear the most. And that's the live version. Oh, I hear the studio one a lot still. But think about all those other hits, especially Paul. And you talked about Wings being big in the 70s. If you combine the hits that Paul had with Wings and and the success of the albums, he was definitely within the top three artists of the 70s. You know, Elton John and the Bee Gees probably on top uh, of uh, Paul. But uh, you wouldn't know it listening to the radio now. And a lot of the album cuts that we used to hear, like I, I, I listened to WPLJ in New York City, if anybody is in the New York area, they used to play album cuts from Wings. And they didn't just play the Paul songs. They played Medicine Jar and they played Time to Hide. And, you know, Wino wow. uh, Junko got airplay. Uh, Spirits of Ancient Egypt got airplay. You'll never hear that on the radio anymore, unless it's on a Beatles show, and even then you're lucky. And that's another thing. show. Yeah, well, you know, it's a plug for every little thing, but most Beatles programs on the radio stick to the group with a little bit of solo stuff. And when that goes on year after year after year, that's what young ears are hearing. And that's why if you go to the fest and you go to the trivia, uh, games that they play. They know the Beatles. They know Solo in the 70s. And then it just dies off mm. after that. Cool. Mm. Joe? I, I think that there's a lot of good stuff out there. We know we, we agree on that, those of us who do the show. Um, and I, I, I'm going to build on that a little bit with just the Beatles channel on, on Sirius XM. I was so disappointed. I mean, I like some of the, the discussion shows. The discussion shows I like, you know. But, you know, it's just the same Beatles catalog regurgitated the 200-some-odd songs over and over again. I was actually, as much as I love the Beatles, I was actually like, I don't want to hear any more Beatles. I don't want to hear them anymore. And then when they get to the solo stuff, it's the usual stuff. I mean, you said Band on the Run or Imagine. And maybe they pick, like, I remember the first time I heard, like, Goodnight Vienna on there from Ringo. I thought, wow, they're playing Goodnight Vienna. You know, that, that's something unusual. But they stick with the few unusual ones they have. Those are the ones they regurgitate. They don't really branch off that, that much. And I thought that's a good opportunity for if you're a Beatles fan, you listen to the Beatles station that's playing primarily Beatles music. I mean, it should. I get that. But what would be wrong with playing three Beatles songs? Then you play a George Harrison solo song that maybe you haven't heard before. Then you go back to a couple of Beatles songs. You play a John Paul Ringo song. And not always the big hits that you know. I honestly believe that fans, young and old, because uh, as Kit said, it's not just the younger fans, it's people, first generation fans. A lot of them stop, you know, after 1970 or 74, right. maybe. And uh, I think they get to learn them and say, you know, I, I never heard this before. This is pretty good. I didn't know this song. I had somebody today, as a matter of fact, that I work with. Uh, two examples. Uh, I just thought of this, okay? He says, oh, I, he heard a version of Fish on the Sand, the George Harrison song. It was a cover by somebody else. He never heard the George song, but he found this cover of, of it hmm. and said, I got to hear the George Harrison song now because I really like the cover. 
And then he plays, here's another one I like from George, he tells me, and he plays Cheer Down, which he'd never heard before, and he loved it. And I know my friend Anthony, affectionately known on my channel as Anthony, you know, he <laughs> told me he came across a couple of Ringo songs, Drowning in the Sea of Love, of all things, which Tom mentioned earlier, and he loves the song now. Mm. And a couple of other songs from Roto Gravure they, they, they played, and he was like, I like that too. Um, of all albums, go figure. And this guy, Anthony, as much as I love him, you know, he will not, he, he doesn't go past 73 or so, you know, with the, the popular songs. Yeah. Right. So there you go. Uh, you know, I don't know why that is, but can, I think I, if you heard them more, you'd, you'd like a lot of them. Can I add one thing here? Um, I like to observe people and ask them their musical tastes all the time. My favorite subject is music, not just the Beatles. You will find, and we talked about this a few shows back, that there are studies where once you hit the age of about 30, you don't have that much interest in new music anymore. I'm not saying it's everybody, but there are patterns in human behavior. You have one to two decades of music that have an impact on your life, your adolescence, teenage years, and to some degree in your 20s, and that's it. Now, for some of us, because we love the Beatles so much, and we got into the solo uh, music, some of us solo first, we carried on and still followed it. But a lot of people, once the, that 10, 20 year period was done, that's it. It's just, it's part of human behavior. I, I, I can't explain why, mm -hmm. but whatever music you've heard, and this is kind of interesting because I mean, Tom asked me to post my 10 favorite albums of all time on Facebook, like, you know, this game that we're, a lot of us have played before. And I was shocked to learn that when I posted mine, because I never put together this list, nine of the 10 were from the 60s and 70s. Those are my favorite two decades. Okay, and I love the 80s a lot. But for most people, if you did the same thing, you'd find that it's within like a 20 year uh, span. And so, you know, you've got that to think about right. as well. True. Okay, cool. Um, and the second part, real quick, uh, Jeremy, do you mind if we answer that part when we do the show on uh, re when we review yeah. that album? Yeah, go right ahead. So we can get to other people. Um, and the yeah, question was, is you know, how uh, what are our feelings on the uh, the mix of the uh, the new um, "Give Me Some Truth" box set? So we'll hmm. definitely cover. We'll that be covering and, it. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't worry. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your question, Jeremy. Yeah. Thank really you. Great questions. Yeah. So next we're going to go to Vivian. So please, Vivian, unmute yourself and uh, let's, let's talk. Hey, congratulations on your 50th episode. Uh, Thank thanks you. so much for having all of us on. Thank you. So my question is about the um, song Now and Then, the one of John's demo songs um, that Yoko chose for the Beatles anthology project, the one that uh, didn't get finished um, supposedly because George is quoted as saying it was effing rubbish <laughs> and uh, the verses weren't complete and so it was shelved and Paul is quoted as saying uh, we all decided it's not one of John's greatest songs but Jeff Lynn the producer and Jeff Emmerich the engineer both uh, said that they wished it had been completed and the uh, writer of Lennon the Musicals was quoted as saying it was the saddest, most poignant love song that Lennon ever wrote. And I couldn't agree more. 
I love this song. I love all the um, add nine chords that make it feel so wistful. And when I hear it, it, it always makes me emotional. And I've cried multiple times listening to that song. So my question is, what is your opinion of this song? Uh, do you think it should have been completed? Cool. Um, Joey? I need to hear it again to really give you a solid answer on it. I know that the well, I've only heard it once, believe it or not, and uh, it didn't really grab me. But then again, Free as a Bird, I thought was, you know, a weak choice. I think Real Love uh, was my favorite out of those. But, you know, um, I have mixed feelings on whether or not they should try to release it you know some people say you know even though george isn't here you know try maybe paul can do something with it and ringo uh i have mixed feelings on that you know i don't know well uh, we had the threedles they say now we have the toodles i guess they <laughs> call, call it i don't know how, how, how i'd feel about that either you know um i the song itself as i say i can't really comment based on just the one time I heard it. I don't know why it is that I never really given it a lot of listens or anything. I kind of lost interest. I feel like a lot of people would, would love the Beatles to carry on, carry on. Let's get another Beatles song, you know? Uh, I'm, okay, I'm okay if they never do anything with that. But if they do, I'll listen and give it a good opinion. Okay, cool. Ken? I love the song myself, but I think what's far more important is what the Beatles thought of it. And if George was against it, and Paul has always maintained that the Beatles were a democracy and nothing would go out unless all of them approved it. If you know on record that George didn't want it to go out, then they shouldn't finish it. And also I believe part of the reason why George didn't want it out is because at the time there was a loud hum throughout the recording. Mm. And I, I think there's a way where you can remove it now. But um, if George was against it, I would honor his wishes. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, it's not a bad song. I, I think it's you know if, um, you know if John gave a you know a little bit more attention, um, you know, and, and completed it, and maybe um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a good song. I don't really consider it up there myself as high as you, Vivian, unfortunately. But um, but again, you know, maybe that might happen. I'd give it a few more spins, and then I really you know understand the full power of the song but but I, I agree with Ken I mean if George was against the song um then he must have he must have had a strong enough opinion on it to to not want to to work with it and I'm, I'm sure he was probably tired of Paul at that point in time too <laughs> so um, I just want to interject you know that's an interesting point that Ken brought up you know George yeah. if he didn't like it but then you I was thinking we also wonder what what did John think mm. you know we, he, he didn't say no but he didn't say yes either so I wonder if that aspect of this case kind of goes out the window or not you gotcha. know, but... yeah it's been a while since i've listened to it and uh i'd have to you know go back but uh, but i do remember uh ken as you're mentioning the hum issue um mm. and it would be interesting to see what could be done with it now because yeah that was back in you know 90 94 95 mm. i bet you know with pro tools and and so forth. I bet you could do a lot more with it uh, now. Um, although this does um, make me think of, you know, I wish that there would be a release from the one in the state with more of these demos and all instead of another greatest hits package. Um, you know, I, I would like to see more things like that. I mean, you know, I, I 
wish uh, <laughs> wish there'd be something like that, but uh, but you know we'll we'll get to that in the, when the the box set comes out. But I would like to you know hear more of, of this kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, um, you know for whatever reason George didn't like it, and and, and part of it may have been burnout. You know working with the others, part of it may have been the hum. But yeah, for whatever reason they uh, they. You know, they just decided it wasn't as as good. I I'm not sure why, but you know, now I'll have to. After this is over, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that again because it's been a while. <laughs> so. I definitely, I want to give it a closer listen after Vivian said how much she likes it. I would move yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Can I, can I add one more thing, please? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> what I find kind of baffling is that from from everything that I've heard. When Yoko gave the cassette to Paul of John's songs, Grow Old With Me was also in there. Right. And I've never heard why they didn't even tackle that. They never even bring up the song. And of course, Ringo covered it recently. Right. Ringo didn't even seem to know the song at all, even though it was released on Milk and Honey. You know, um, I just don't understand. Ringo's Grow another one me. not listening to the solo music. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But Grow Old With Me would be a standard today if there had been a full, complete studio version of the mm. song. It's such an amazing song. It was one of my wedding songs, by the way. Ah, but cool. uh, yeah, and, and they never bring up Grow Old With Me. Yeah. I don't understand that. Mm. Interesting. Well, okay, Vivian, thank you very much for the thank question. You, thank you for being here. Great question. And, uh, yeah, Great question. You. All right, let's move to... Uh, Bruce, Bruce, unmute yourself and let's uh, let's hear what your question is. Oh, good evening, everybody. Hey. Uh, so I I don't know I I almost feel like I just want to ask only Ken Michaels this question. Uh oh, go for it. You may see why <laughs> uh, because I think we're rough. I was born in 1960. I don't know what year Ken if he wants to say 59. 59. Yeah. So you know I so I lived through the whole Beatles stuff I saw Hard Day's Night in the theater and Help mm. and all the films in the theater and for a time up until 1970 I refused to listen to any other music but the Beatles so mm. but in the 70s when I wanted to start reading about them there were really a dearth of books compared to what we have like a hundred thousand books today mm -hmm. and the first one this one here this yeah. was such a yeah. huge uh amazing important book at that time and revisiting it even remembering it then it's interesting to watch this uh this your podcast because of so much positivity about the solo career mm -hmm. and this book was so dismissive of pretty much every release except for maybe band on the run and imagine you know ken you said your favorite album is living in a material world this book trashes it Ugh. And then you think about the reviews in the, the major rock publications, Rolling Stone and Cream and Circus, and they were dismissive of all, all the stuff that, as you said, has now been reevaluated, obviously. Mm. So I guess my question to Ken first, but then to the others, is what, early on in your discovery of this music and you're wanting to read about it, what articles or what books were influential in terms of your own tastes about it? Well, I mean, the only books that I remember buying in the 70s would be All Together Now, which was, you know, a discography, which took you through 1975, Beatles and Solo. I read Nicholas Schaffner's book, The Beatles Forever, which I enjoyed at the time, One Day at a Time. I forget what, what uh, year that came out from Anthony Fawcett. Um, but I didn't pay too much attention what the press said. 
You know, I just listen to the music for myself. And when I listen to it, it's not like I automatically love everything from the solo Beatles. I took the time and I listened to it. It was very natural for me if I loved the group for me to love the solo stuff because it was just a continuation of more of the same thing, only developing more of their individual styles. And I think that um, for people who wanted to cling on to the group so much, it was hard for them to adapt to this tremendous change of four solo careers, which happened to be doing so extremely well. I always bring up the charts here on the show. And, you know, there's always been this attitude with certain people, some that I even work with, that as great as the solo careers are, it can never compare to what they did as a band. And there may be some of you who, who watch the show who still feel that way anyway. But that shouldn't even matter. It still has value. You know, everything has a place. And I've grown to love all four of them for their individual styles. I really got, especially 1973, which I always, you know, say is the greatest year in, in, in the Beatles because of all the solo music that came out that year. But to have something as spiritual as living in the material world, which really affected me, I thought it was deeply personal. I love the spiritual side of George. I love the sound of his vocals. I love the slide guitar. I came to love all that stuff on All Things Must Pass. And obviously it all started within the group. But I think a lot of people kind of miss the collaboration within the four of them. It's hard for them. The Beatles left such an impact on the world, not just as musicians, but as personalities. And, you know, they work so well together in every aspect. And it's hard for some people a lot of people are so fixated on the group that they can't move on past that. And it's a I, shame. Well, I think yeah. your show has actually helped for people of my, you know, of our generation to re to reevaluate it because we do take such a, we were so broken up by the breakup. <laughs> that it was really hard. I mean, it's hard for people who were born in the seventies mm. to really understand that, that mm. we felt it was a, such a, not a betrayal, but it was such a tragedy. See, we did a show on this, and, and I, I really disagreed, you know, because there was so much music coming out in 1970 alone, I never felt a loss. Hmm. You know, there was continuous music. It never just stopped. In 1970 right. alone, we had All Things Must Pass, Plastic on a Band, McCartney, Sentimental Journey, Bukus of Blues, and right. Let It Be. Right. <laughs> That's no, a lot true. of music in one year. Point. So well, we knew that that magic, that magic between Lennon and McCartney and Harrison. It was just something that could never be matched on some level. Well, mm. you know, there's the beauty of the chemistry within the group. And then there's also exploring your individual styles and having the freedom to work with different people, which can produce very fascinating and equally fulfilling results. And I've grown to really love the four Beals as individuals just as much as I ever did as a band. And I, I really do believe this. I am genuine when I say this. I enjoy most of their solo work just as much as what they did as a group. I'm not saying it's better, but it all has its place, you know? So, um, and the mere fact that they did so well on the charts in the 70s and 80s proved that when it was played on the radio to a young demographic audience, that's how they responded. So they liked it too. So it wasn't just me. You know. So just the old fart critics just were just... <laughs> <laughs> Some of them were. <clears throat> but I don't want to take away anything from how great the Beatles were as a group. I'm, right. I will never deny that. Right. They were the greatest group ever. Nothing can ever compare to that. But, you know, 
I don't think people realize how rare it is that all four of them had successful solo careers. Name any other band that had that kind of success on their own. To be able to do it twice. Who you were gonna say something, Tom? Uh, so the closest that that may have been was would, would have been Genesis, you know, as a band Summer. that was successful, you know, together not until really the '80s, but then you know, you know, members of that band, ex-members and and you know, and members that were still in the band had six successful solo careers, but I don't think to the level and to the to the length that maybe that the you know the Fabs did. So, right. Mm -hmm. But I, I do want to thank you, Bruce, for noticing that our positivity on, um, on a lot of these um, uh, releases, because I, I think it is important um, for, for maybe like people like myself and Kid who are a little bit younger and didn't come into uh, these albums, like say you did, Bruce, and, and to look at it in, in, into a different light or look at it with a different set of eyes and, and to not really necessarily believe what you read maybe in Rolling Stone or, or, or in Cream, you know, listen to it for yourself and, and, you know, maybe you'll find out that, you know, in your opinion, it might be better than what those people, you know, write in, in their review, whether or not they give it one star or five stars, you know, it's, it's, it really depends on your ears, really. And so one of the things that we wanted to accomplish was kind of more like have a more positive aspect on, on this music because it deserves it, really. So. Well, one of our, our favorite, um, series we like to do is another listen mm. because yeah. i mean you know some of the albums when they first came out uh, of course most famously ram were were just trashed when when they first came out i mean yeah. absolutely pan and so we love doing those episodes where you know we say all right let's go back to those albums that critics just you know ripped apart at the time of the release and and you're right i mean some of the critics and 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 uh, books, as you mentioned, you know, just rip them apart and say, were they really that bad? And, you know, and listen mm. to them with fresh ears, you know, 30 or more years later. And, um, and, you know, were they really that bad? And a lot of times they weren't. Um, you know, part of it was just, you know, as you mentioned, it was sort of the time that they came out and people saying, well, you know, this can't compare to what they did, you know, with the Beatles. Well, of course not. I mean, of course, this doesn't compare. It isn't the Beatles. Uh, you know, this is a, it's a new, it's a, it's, it's Paul. It's, it's a, it's a new era. And, uh, you well, know. Ram so was I, the one it, I was shocked by. You know, mm -hmm. I can understand Wildlife and even Red Rose Speed Bay, but Ram, I was shocked. Like, even as an 11-year-old or 10-year-old, I was saying, how could they hate, how could that be hated? It's oh, that was trashed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely trash. And now it's, it's really, you know, no, now considered a classic it's and, and considered it as best by a lot of people. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. it just Myself goes to show <laughs> over time people's opinions can change. Mm -hmm. And I'm I don't want to say that the Beatles as a group were better than the solo. You know, I don't ever want to say that because you might actually prefer some of the solo music to what they did as a band. I've had people come up to me and say that they prefer John as a solo artist to what he did in the Beatles. I had someone come to our house here once who fixed our computer, saw all the work that I did on the Beatles and I was telling him all about it. And he, he told me his feelings about the group and solo music. And he said to me, he'd rather listen to a George Harrison album than a Beatles album. Wow. When people say that to me, I don't make fun of them. <laughs> I wanna know why, I respect their opinion. Sure. If, if for some reason, George Harrison's music moves you in a way and does it for you more than what he did with the Beatles, 
all the more power to you. These people are tremendously talented on their own. They were great individual talents when they were in the Beatles. Excellent. Uh, how's that, Bruce? Is that all right? Fantastic. Thank you so much. Great. Um, I think question. we have time for one more, kid, or I mean, should we want to keep could going? Do. Yeah, we could do a couple more. Don't couple forget, more. you could always make this a two-parter. I mean, I mean, yeah. on when you upload it. I yeah, mean. true. I can always do it <laughs> okay. for Yeah, that's all right. True. Let's uh, all nighter then, folks. I hope you got your pillows. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get everybody's questions in if we can. We all right. Can. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on. Karen, you are next. Please unmute yourself and let's uh, let's. Let's see what you got. There you go. Hi, everyone. Thank you all for the show and Thank congratulations. For the work you do on your other shows, I Thank you. All the work. Having trouble hearing her. So yeah, just really uh, delayed. All right. So do we? All right. Well, yeah. Why don't we go in, to Ed's and then we'll, Karen? We'll we'll go back to yours when you put it in the chat. Is that okay? Okay. okay. Excellent. Right, okay. All we'll right. go to Ed and then we'll go back to you, Karen. All right. When they was fabs, the one and only Mr. Ed Chen. Ed, hey. please. Hey. How you doing? Hi, Ed. All right, so looking at the backgrounds here, who is the better use, Yoko or Linda? And you can throw Nancy and Olivia in there if you want, but I don't think the volume compares. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Ken, you want to start? Uh, who was the better what? Muse. <laughs> Muse. Oh, Linda Muse. or Yoko? Okay. The collective songs, oh. John wrote about Yoko and Paul wrote about Linda. Which set is better? Wow. What a, as a muse, I'd have to go a bit more with Yoko only because 
not only did John write songs about Yoko, but Yoko was also involved with John's music and making suggestions with it. And she also affected his love, his growing love for avant-garde and experimental films. So it went beyond just the music with Yoko. You know, but with Linda, you could also say she influenced him with the vegetarian lifestyle. And, you know, it was also beyond the music with her. But overall, because I think of Yoko as being you know, the biggest influence on John's life, although we had a debate about that. Um, I would probably go with Yoko. I just did, I think. Can you see what I just tell you? Well, somebody, uh, can you see? That's, that's somebody needs to mute. Breaking back in there, yeah. Okay. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm still hearing it. <laughs> I think it is muted, though. It looks like it's muted. Hmm. Oh, it looks like everybody's muted. That's weird. Okay, so, so her question was, I want to ask each of you for three to five. Oh, wait, we have to get to ads. Yeah, okay. There you I, go. Okay. I, so we're still going with ads. Okay. So, Joe, you want to uh, answer the question? It's a tough question because, I mean, they're, they're kind of equal. I, I, hate just, to, I hate to cop out like that. But can you use that? that? I Sorry. What that I can, feedback um, is. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So it is live, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not, not on. Uh, this is all coming live. Mute. Before you're on. <laughs> um, anyway, but I'm going to go. I'll give the slight edge yeah. to Yoko. I think. I think yeah. Yeah, more of an even more of an influence on John. Or, but both of them. You know, it's hard to say. Both of them were, were so uh, influential on their husbands. You know, I. I don't know what to what to, to say. I, I feel I'll give Yoko a slight nod in the songs too. Uh, maybe song wise, maybe I think that the, the songs that John wrote with Yoko in mind were maybe uh, overall more in number and possibly more uh, emotional. I don't want to take anything from Paul though because there's so many. Like maybe I'm amazed alone, which I think is is. Maybe his greatest song outside of the Beatles, mm. which is really kind of Beatles era too. It's, but yeah, it's, it's a hard question. It's a good question. But I'll give yeah, Yoko the that's edge. That's a tough one. Yeah, Sorry. it is a tough one. Boy, that you is. Know, yeah, and and the I'll I'll just go with the written with the written song, and I'll I'll give it a slight edge to Linda. I you know you've got what. Uh, um, pretty much almost 30 years of, of song. Unfortunately, we just didn't get as much uh, from from John, you know, when it comes to, to songs that uh, written for Yoko. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of them, but we got more um, from Paul about Linda uh, throughout that, those 30 years, your 30 years. And, um, you know, like you said, Joe, maybe I'm amazed, you know, uh, this one, Only Love Remain. I mean, the list is not endless. Um, my you know, Love. Two, yeah, My Love, you know, Two of Us, you know, which is, Paul said that was for was for Linda, you know. So right off the bat, I mean, I think he's writing great stuff um, um, with Linda in mind. So if you just go with with the the, the, um, the song aspect of it, um, I I go with uh, with Linda. But I do agree with Ken that you know I I think that uh, Yoko was a bigger muse in just his whole personality and and you know a bigger influence in him as a person. Uh, but with so, the songs, though, I just want to say, I wonder how many of them are more generic love songs, like Only Love. I don't know if Only Love Remains was 
attributed to attributed to Linda specifically, but something like that. I mean, we know about My Love and you know mm -hmm. some of the songs that you, you mentioned, but sometimes I'm thinking maybe they were just you know general love songs that could apply to to anybody, not necessarily. Uh, okay, fair enough. Fair, fair point. That's true. Yeah. Okay, Kit. Yeah, I, boy, this is a tough call, <laughs> because, uh, because Yoko obviously was a huge influence um, on, on John, but I, I guess I would have to give the slight edge to Linda here, because, uh, as well, because I think, um, you know, that they were songwriting partners. Um, Linda certainly did do a lot of backing vocals with uh, harmonies with uh, Paul, and then, and, and they were good at it. I mean, they were good at um, harmony vocals. Um, and as we've said, boy, did, was she a great inspiration for some incredible songs. You know, maybe I'm amazed. My love, as, if, as we've talked about, um, I mean, those are now, you know, practically standards. Um, you know, I, I just... Uh, it's it, and even some others. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if only love remains is specifically about Linda, but it certainly could be. Um, you know, talking about some days again, I'm not sure, but um, I I just feel like he wrote some of his best ballads and all when when they were together, and um, and I I just think he, that she really, you know, clearly he wanted her by his side when you know he was after the Beatles broke up and he wanted to you know start the new phase of his career and she inspired him to do it I mean as we all know the story about how, how depressed mm. he was uh, after the Beatles broke up and she was the one who said you know come on you're Paul McCartney you know you've got to <laughs> you've got to get yourself together and move on um, and so you know he real she really inspired him to start a new group and and start you know start a new career so uh so she certainly had a huge influence on him too um so i guess i would i would give the very slight edge uh in terms of music particularly to linda okay cool all right good question good thank question you. thank you ed um now getting back to uh karen her question yes. Um, I want to ask, ask each of you for three to five recommendations of your favorite Paul interviews, audio uh, or on, on, visual, on visual. So I, I, I like that one. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'll start right off the bat. Um, 1980, the McCartney interview with Dick Arborini. Um, I think that's a very a, a great quality interview from Vic. I mean, that was the interview that was really much the, um, the interview that got uh, Paul talking about the Beatles again. Uh, then there was the, uh, the interview that, um, that with Chris uh, Selovich um, conducted for Q Magazine back in 86. Um, that's another great open, one of the more candid interviews you'll ever see from, from Paul McCartney. So that is actually... Um, uh, that's on YouTube as well. Um, so you can find that. So you can find both of those interviews. And then the, um, from uh, Conversations with M uh, McCartney book by uh, Paul DeNoyer, there's a lot of really good uh, interviews that he's conducted with Paul McCartney starting, I think, in the late 80s. Um, so those are three that I think are, are quality interviews. Um, Joe, what about you? You mentioned some good ones. Also, I like the John Fugel sang one uh, around the Flaming Pie time, around 97-ish. 
that's good. I also like the David Frost interview uh, that was done around that time as well with Paul. Um, some of it was included in the, the new Flaming Pie set, but a very small portion uh, of it. And I'm trying to think, when it comes to Paul, I'm trying to think of interviews where it's not a lot of the same stuff, like how he wrote yesterday, or how John <laughs> helped him write some of, you know, getting better and stuff right. like that. And uh, boy, it's it's hard to come with other ones. I'm thinking um, there was a call-in show once, and I forget the guy's name. It was a VH1. Maybe some of you know. Was it Bobby Rivers? Was that his name? Yeah, was a call, that sounds right. A call-in show, uh, visually, that uh, had a lot of interesting questions from the audience too. I think a lot of times when the audience asks questions, you might get some different stuff, especially if somebody is really uh, into the into Paul and the Beatles, and it's not just a, a generic person saying, "Gee, you know, I, what, how did it feel when you were on the Ed Sullivan show?" You know, something a little mm -hmm. different. Um, this is a Tim Rice interview from 1980 that was pretty good, around yeah. the time of McCartney too. Um, I like that one as well. And then trying to go through the whole shebang. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's that's what that's it for now. So the ones that come to mind. Okay, Ken. It's a really tough question. I'm I'm sure I'm going to regret one that I forgot to bring up. But definitely the McCartney interview that you mentioned from 1980 that came out on album. Yeah. Um, I think it was Playgirl. He mm -hmm. gave an interview, the one where he kind of trashed Michael Jackson. Yeah. Uh, this hey. was around. I'm <laughs> no, I'm just, but anytime he's revealing whether I agree with him or not, there was one interview where he was saying, "Well, it's all Quincy Jones music anyway." And I'm mm -hmm. like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you know, for someone who's Mr. Diplomat, you know, for him to say anything like that, that really impressed me. The one that um, was a Chris Alwich, Tom, yeah. the one that came out on bootleg. Yes. Yeah. Very, very open and revealing. That was. Uh, 1986 was it? 1986. Here's the yep. bootleg. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would mention that. I also seem to remember um, when the Liverpool Oratorio came out and Bob Costas interviewed Paul, and I think oh. he did a great job with Paul. You always think of Bob Costas for sports, but sometimes yeah, that was, yes. you know he he can interview entertainers really well. You know, right. certain people like that. Those are ones that stick out for me. And yeah, I love John Fugler saying it's kind of very light interview you know the town hall one but those are ones that stick out but i know once the show is over i'm going to say damn yeah i forgot right. <laughs> there's something yeah. i forgot that yeah. if i could just throw, throw it in that's pretty major yeah. now i don't know how anybody's going to feel depending on how you feel about howard stern but uh Ooh. sometimes he gets stuff out of people uh for better or worse that you wouldn't ordinarily uh get out of people and, or ask people now Howard's a big Beatles fan, so a lot of times it's pretty basic stuff, actually, that we know. And Beatles-related, not solo or anything like that, really. Right. But uh, I remember the one, I think it was around the time when he was first going out with uh, Heather, I think in 2001. And it was Driving Rain, and it was, uh, was it, I don't know if you know, Driving Rain was just out because they were playing uh, From a Lover to a Friend on the show. And uh, he, he talks a little about Michael Jackson, and he gets him to talk a little about Yoko, <laughs> you know, trying to get something out of him, dish the dirt, as he says. And then mm -hmm. how, how, at one point, I know in that interview, Paul says, you know, now you got me going. <laughs> 
you know, how, you know, if you went just oh, hanging yeah, out, yeah, like, I remember that one. The dirt right. with you, but now you got me started or whatever. Uh, so I don't know. You might get a little, something a little more out of the ordinary when you watch a Howard Stern interview. Mm. Right. Okay, cool, Kit. The just a couple that come, uh, come to mind, and I've um, and I I wish I could remember the authors. I know the the magazines. There was one uh, from I believe eighty seven, and it's unfortunately a defunct magazine it was a great one musician um and it was around the time that all the best came out and um paul was really in, and i think the the headline it, it was the cover story of the magazine and it was i think it was paul gets angry hmm. and it was you know after press to play hmm. um and as i said um uh, all the best was out and he was, I mean, it was a really revealing interview because he was clearly at this crossroads where he was trying to figure out his next move. He was feeling that, um, you know, John was being made to be that, you know, he was the, the true um, genius you know, yeah. artist yeah. and genius mm. of the mm. group. And, and I had never seen Paul as angry as, yeah. as in this interview. Um, and uh, and feeling that he had taken the you know these chances with press to play and it backfired and uh, and so he was you know trying to figure out his next move and and uh, so you know it was a very I, I just had never seen him like this uh, that in the one hand he was looking back with this album with with all the best but he was also sort of trying to figure out where to go and and what is like about his legacy um and so it was it was really revealing flash forward like to 89 and it was either 89 or 90 and it was a cover story for rolling stone and you know flowers in the dirt came out he was on the world tour um and it was um as i recall i think the cover was him with a huge guitar mm. um you know it was like kind of a silhouette almost it was like almost looked like a kind of an old photograph um and uh and they were talking you know he was talking about the tour and uh and it was some great um you know backstage stuff i remember talking about and he was in just such a different mood and and i just remember this wonderful anecdote he gave about listening to quincy talking about quincy jones quincy mm -hmm. jones's new album uh back on the block that was out at the time right. and that he was dancing to it backstage and you know so it was like a completely different you know frame of mind that he was in so if you want to get you know some some ideas of where he was in the late 80s how he went from this kind of down period to then his comeback um mm. those are two uh good uh, good articles to read musician and rolling stone cool excellent thank you karen great question yeah, thank you. Appreciate Sorry we couldn't it. hear you, but yeah. we, we still got to it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to Mark Z. Mark, I believe it's Zakoff. Is that how you pronounce it? Please. Yes, uh, it is. Thank you for joining us. What's uh, what's going on? My pleasure. I have seven questions, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm only going to ask one. All right. <laughs> but before that, let me just mention I love the podcast, but just be careful about doing too many Paul-centric episodes, particularly in a row. Leave that for Tom. <laughs> <laughs> what about me? 
<laughs> you have your own podcast <laughs> besides things we said today i know about that and every little thing and every little thing <laughs> anyway the question is about check is in the mail mark thank you <laughs> the question is about the solo beatles as producers which albums or album tracks or singles are your favorites that the solo Beatles produced for other people? And let's make sure all four Beatles are covered. So you can either do one per host or feel free to do two each wow. if you want to. Dang. Well, I pass. He got me on a week in front of think. Right uh, off the bat, you think when you think George Harrison, you think the work he did for Badfinger? Um, okay. You know, and then again for Paul, you think he had a lot of success with Mary Hopkins, uh, producing producing mm. her first album, um, and uh, you know, for John, was he did he co-produce Harry uh, Nielsen? Harry Nielsen. Yes, the, the, yeah. yeah, the Pussycats. Album. And also uh, Elephant's Memory. Yeah. Elephant's Memory. Elephant's Memory. Right. You know, um, Ringo. I'm not familiar if he if he did any producing. Um, did he? Yep. Um, Only for some. himself, for the most part. David Henschel, Startling Music. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I have that album. Okay. Okay. I'm, um, I uh, Kit, uh, I'll, try, I'll try to think of some more while I'm at it. Well, actually, when you mentioned Ringo producing himself, I actually like him as his own producer. Um, you know, mm. I, I, I thought, because uh, I'm, and I'm sure there'll be people throwing virtual rotten tomatoes at me right now but i was getting sick of the mark hudson stuff to be honest with you i was kind of glad when when he moved away from that and uh and you know moved on to work with other no people. tomatoes here kid no tomatoes okay thank you, <laughs> thank you. I, it was very good while it, at first and it was the yeah. right move but i thought it, it, for me it got a little well, uh shamey yeah mm. Exactly. And so, uh, and so when he started producing himself with, was it Why Not? Was that the first one that he self-produced? Liverpool 8 was half. Was Liverpool 8 half? That, that was with Dave Stewart? Dave Stewart, yeah. I think, jumped on, yeah. his, uh, on the bandwagon. Yeah. Um, I really liked what he did. I mean, I, I thought, uh, you know, I, I wasn't sure how it was going to sound self-produced, but, um, you know, he really, I, I think, well, obviously knows what he likes and, um, and was you know, very, I very impressed and more stripped down uh, than, than Mark Hudson's, you know, um, you know, it, it just was just more straight rock and roll. And I thought it was better in some ways. So, uh, so I really liked him as a self-producer. <laughs> okay. Ken? Hmm. This is a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, with Paul, um, definitely Mary Hopkin. I mean, I love the production on Postcard, mm -hmm. the whole album. Uh, something like that. McGear. Yeah. You know, you could say, oh, yeah. I, I tend to think of the four Beatles producing themselves more than anything else rather and, and writing for other people as opposed to producing. Um, although George did a lot of production for other people like Billy Preston and Doris Troy, the Apple artist there and Badfinger. I do love the production on the four cuts on Straight Up. Although Todd Rundgren has said that he did a lot of extra work after George Harrison finished, so you shouldn't give all the credit to George there. Um, I love the production on Splinter, um, The Place I Love. That's a great album. It's like, just like the McGear is the Lost McCartney and Wings album, 
Splinter is the Lost George Harrison album to me. Um, so I would say those, uh, Ravi Shankar stuff. Yeah. Uh, great production on that. Uh, Chance of India. Um, yeah. So, John, you got to think of Yoko, you know, um, Approximately Infinite Universe, Elephant's Memory, David Peel, those artists, and, and definitely Harry Nelson with Pussycats. Um, Ringo, I can't really think of aside of uh, David Henschel, because I think of Ringo producing for himself. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the albums with Mark Hudson were co-productions with Mark, you know, although I'm sure Mark dominated, but Ringo mm -hmm. oversaw everything. And I right. do like the, the albums post Mark Hudson production-wise, which, which Bruce Sugar produced with him, you know. Um, yeah, did I cover it all? I think so. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Ringo also produced a couple of his own B-sides very early on. Mm -hmm. uh, he's credited as early 1970, mm -hmm. and Line Man was Ringo and Klaus, which was Ringo's okay. producer. Okay. Great. Yeah, but cool. Good picks. Thank you. Nice. Okay. Yeah, thank, well, thank you. you. That was for the question. question. Yeah, that was an excellent question. Some of these wow. are tough. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, dang. You guys really... Uh... Okay. <laughs> All right, the man with the the talk more talk uh, background, Mark P. Mark, please. Well, there he goes. And, uh, let's see what you got, my friend. Can you hear me? Yes. Hey, Mark. Yep. Hey. All right. First of all, congratulations on fifty episodes. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, in light of John Lennon's upcoming "Give Me Some Truth" compilation album, I know over the years there's been plenty of compilation albums <laughs> and i'm just wondering you got them all right there right yeah <laughs> what what are your guys's favorite compilation oh. albums interesting okay. okay joe you want to start off yeah well um you know, the, uh, Ringo has one out that, uh, well, I like the one that you showed there for Ringo, not Blast from Your Past, because that's kind of lightweight. Photograph. Photograph. The one, you photograph the best of Ringo. But there's another one out that's a two-CD set. I don't know whether it's an unofficial release or a Russian release. I think it was a Russian one you're talking You know about. the one I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, he's uh, a, he's uh, he's got like a star standing like a star on the, yeah, on the on beach. beach. Yeah, yeah. yeah that I mean that goes up to postcards for paradise. That, so that's pretty. The whole series of those are good. There's Paul, there's George, and everything. But out of the regular ones we're talking about, um, I've always liked Wings Greatest. I just always wish that they had listen to what the man said on there. That's the only qualm yep. I have with it. But I don't know what you'd take off if you had to. Um, back then, that's the only place they really got a, the good versions of, like, uh, Junior's Farm on an album and, uh, you know, a complete. And right. uh, Mo Kintyre had to be on there, so I don't know what you would take take off, really. Mm -hmm. um, so for Paul, I really like that one. And for George, you know, uh, I've never been that thrilled with any of the George ones, actually. Um, Right. It's funny. I don't think it's he's been done justice, really. Again, in that series, that the Russian series of what I'm speaking of, there's a, there's a two CD set that's really good. But the regular ones, I always thought he got short shrifted, of course, on the the one best of George Harrison, where one side is Beatles. Although I would I would argue, and I often do, that those are some of his, the best of George. You know, some of those songs, something here comes the sun. You know, all that kind of stuff. Those are among the best of George anyway. But uh, I think they wanted to let me, uh, let it roll to be longer originally. And they, I think the company wanted it to be cut down, if I, if I remember. Uh, 
I think mm -hmm. the Harrisons wanted it a little, a little longer. Okay. And Best of Dark Horse, uh, Best of Dark Horse is good, you know, because it's got stuff on there like you don't get anywhere else, like Poor Little Girl, which yeah. I love that that song. Mm -hmm. Cockamamie Business. Cockamamie Business is yeah. a lot of fun. Cheer Down. And Cheer Down, mm. one of my favorites. Uh, so um, as far as John goes, you know, Shaved Fish is like the one that, oh, at first I was like thrilled to have when I was a lot younger. And it's not the best now because the quality isn't as good as, as some of the later releases. And also some of the songs are not complete. They're not complete. And some of them have different mixes on them too, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not the best choice right now for, for John, I wouldn't say. Uh, maybe Working Class Hero will... Leonard yeah. Legend. Okay. Mm. Kit? Um, I would say Photograph for sure. Mm. Um, I think that's definitely the best Ringo hits collection out there. Uh, pretty complete. Um, you know, sounds, uh, you know, sounds really good. I think uh, for George, yeah, Best of Dark Horse. I, I agree. I think that's probably the best one out there. Let It Roll, I wasn't, I was a little disappointed in. Um, for for Paul, I, I, you know, Wingspan was a little disappointing for me. I mean, I I have it, um, but I thought it was a little oddly put together. I mean, it was there were some of the choices for the tracks were a little odd. Um, I I thought. I mean, all the best as I mentioned. Um, it's a good basic uh, compilation, but of course, no Mo of Kintyre, um, things like that. So I mean, well, here I, anyways, mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Not here, exactly. So that's kind of frustrating. Um, but, um, you know, so it's it's not. And then I don't have Pure McCartney. Uh, that one I did not get. Um, but, um, you know, so the, I, I haven't really found any that I've really, I, I guess I'm picky. So, <laughs> so none of the collections have really right. set me on fire. I mean, the, the, the greatest hits. Um right. Yeah, as far as John goes, um, I'll be interested to see how this one coming up sounds. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but and Shave Fish is okay. Um, it's, uh, again, it's, it's basic, but, uh, but yeah, the, you know, probably uh, was Working Class Hero. That was, that was one, I think, and that was okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this, this one coming up could actually, even though it's yet another collection, um the i like the remastering that i've heard so far so it you know this could be promising cool so we'll uh, we'll mm. see but but actually photograph i think is one of the better done recently yeah. of the right. greatest hits collection so right. i wish the others would take a take a cue from that mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i i kind of agree with you i, I don't think I think probably 95% of them are not perfect. I mean, they, they have something wrong with them or a track missing or, or whether they're, they're shortened or, or whatnot. But, right. I, um, you know, for me, when I first started, I, I love Blast From Your Past. I thought that was a great, probably the best, greatest hits out of all of them because you had pretty much everything there. including And it is, it is know, very good. It's a nice way to get a lot yeah. of good Ringo stuff. Yeah, including 1970, you know, or I mean, I'm sorry, early 1970s. So uh, I thought that was the best one uh, at that point in time in my early fandom. Um, now, um, you know, I, I, you, you mentioned Wingspan, and I laugh at that because, you know, you don't really have any, you know, tracks on there that's sung by any other members of Wings on it. Um, mm, yeah. So, but, uh, but I do like... Um, 
Pierre McCartney, even though it does have its faults, you know, nothing from uh, Driving Rain or 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 um, Flowers Flower Winter. But uh, but as a collection, as a as a you know from from the beginning to to where it, well, to when it came out was it like seven, 16 or seventeen when it came out, um, you know from that it, it was pretty good. I, I thought you know you had a nice collection from from seventy all the way up until I think Hope of um, Hope for the Future was I think the yep, that was on the, there. yeah yeah it was on there too. So you had uh, you had a good set there. So but uh, Ken, what say you? Um. I think that the ones that came out in the 70s were fine for its time, Shave Fish, mm -hmm. Blasting Your Past. And like you said, Blasting Your Past, if you only cared about the hits, it has everything that you need mm -hmm. on it, really. Um, same thing with Shave Fish. Uh, uh, the best of, Dark, uh, best of George Harrison was a complete, absolute travesty and a big insult to George where half of the songs were Beatles recordings. It should have been just solo. When you think about the fact that George Harrison, how he kicked off with All Things Was Pass, from 1970, he was the darling, you know, right. for a few years there. And uh, everybody was watching him. And then he had the concert for Bangladesh and a number one album with Living in the Material World. And they couldn't do a full album of the best of George solo. That was terrible. Yeah. Wings Greatest was fine for its time. Although, like you said, Joe, how can you not have listened to what the man said? Number one single on there. Um, you know, I think the ones that have come out on John suit its purpose for its time. The John Lennon collection, when that came out, was good because it included all the double fantasy stuff um, and what he did in the 70s. And I like most of the Lennon ones, especially the ones that, that go deep, like Working Class Hero is probably my favorite. Yeah. I love the fact that all the hits are covered in there. And then you've got a lot of album cuts that are excellent cuts. And a, a song like Out the Blue, which I've always been raving about, to see that included in a compilation so you don't have to go to the Mind Games album to find it. When, you, when they handpick these other songs that weren't the hits, that's what I find most fascinating because a lot of new fans will pick up these collections first and then hopefully they'll discover those songs along with the hits. Working Class Hero I thought was fine, as was Legend. Um, and in a way, uh, Give Me Some Truth is very much like, like um, Working Class Hero. Yeah. You know, song selection, although Angela is in the new one, that, that's kind of different for a, you know, for a Lennon collection. Um, of all the Ringo ones, Photograph is the best because it encompasses everything up to that point right. in his career. Although, uh, Starstruck was a great collection because it was all the post- Volume two. Yeah, it's all the post-capital stuff. So if you want to have those few singles like A Dose of Rock and Roll, um, you know, Drowning in the Sea of Love, Wings, those songs, and all the album cuts too, um, that was fine. That's for the real completist that wants to hear stuff beyond the singles. And even then, A Dose of Rock and Roll, after the Capitol stuff, was the only top 48 he had, except for Rack My Brain. Rack My Brain, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's, a, it's an excellent uh, compilation. But for something that covers his entire solo career up to that moment, Photograph was a great compilation. Mm -hmm. um, for George, I actually kind of like Starstruck, I like the best of Dark Horse, although that only covers the Dark Horse, the, the music on his label. Right. Um, and it doesn't have this song. No, it does not. This, which I, you know, that yeah, was the yeah. first single he released on his own label <laughs> um, of his own. And that was kind of strange. Um, but to have those three bonus tracks, I think that was for a concise period of time, just like Starstruck, it really did a great job. I'm not that crazy about Let It Roll. 
I don't like the oh. fact that there's three songs from Bangladesh and it, you have to put Beatles songs in there. You shouldn't have to do that. Right. When it comes to when it comes to certainly uh, John Paul and George and Ringo, you need at least two discs or more to cover their entire careers up to this point. Mm -hmm. I think so. Probably when it comes to Paul, I might pick Pure McCartney. I mean, it's got most of the hits um, without having anything from Flowers in the Dirt, which was a big mistake as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I like all the album cuts that he put in there. Like Don't Let It Bring You Down is one of right. my favorite songs from, from the Wings period. And just to know these were favorites of his, this is like his playlist. It's kind of a different approach. But um, as far as what satisfies me the most, I'd probably go with, with Pure McCartney. Okay, cool. Very good. Thank you, uh, Mark P, for that question. Okay, thank thank you. you for being here. Thank you for being here. I think okay. we have time for like one more question. Okay. And then <laughs> All right. I know it's All getting right. late. <laughs> All right. We, uh, yeah, we're up to, uh, well, Robert Schmidt is, is next uh, in line. So uh, let's, let's go with Robert. How you doing? Hey. yourself. I'm glad I'm Robert, good. Robert yeah. made it. There you go. All it right. almost looked like Mike wants to really get in here, though. <laughs> well, you know, if, guys, do you, I only see like a small amount of hands raised. With yeah, you. I mean, if you well, guys are, are really up quick with the hands, okay, I'll be quick. <laughs> First, thank thank you for arranging such a special event to celebrate your 50th episode. Thank you. Thank you. Um, everybody's got such cool Beatles backgrounds and they're showing such wonderful things. I'm going to show something that ah, cool. is actually from Bali. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen that picture on a, a, a Hamburg CD. They use mm. that, I think. Cool. I think that's the same one. <laughs> but anyway, um, not, you know, I, I'm a longtime fan of Joe Mayo, but uh, somewhat new to this Talk More Talk community. So I wasn't really sure what this would be like. I prepared two opinion questions and one trivia question. Um, Ed actually asked one of my opinion questions. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just ask the other one, I guess, leave the okay. trivia. Okay, go, go for it. What would you say is your favorite Ringo B-side other than early 1970s? <laughs> <laughs> the first one that popped in my mind is Down and Out. Hmm. But I probably have some others that I like even better. But that's the first one that came to mind. Right. Um, Kit, you want to try? I like Ooh Wee. I think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. a fun song. So, do you mean I have to agree with you? That yeah. it's it's you know it's just pure fun. It's you know nothing brainy. But mm -hmm. it, I mean I heard it talking about the Beatles channel earlier. I first time I heard it was on the Beatles channel and I was like what is this and I looked it up and you know because I didn't have that single and I I was addicted after that I just thought what a what a fun you know fun jam and uh so yeah that's my favorite hands down I mean early 1970s mm -hmm. great but that's a fun song hey Ken huh. um you mean strictly non-LP or it could be part of the album too uh, well, it's just a B-side, so it could be part of an album. Okay. Gucci Gucci. Sorry. Uh, no. Well, it was really a double-sided hit, but if you consider the no-no song, the A-side, Snookaroo, is a killer song. Right. You know, oh. if you think of that as a B-side. 
Um, I would go with that. If you're talking about non-LP and not early 1970, yeah, um, Down and Out would be up there. But I love Just a Dream. Mm. That was left okay. over from the Ringo the Fourth sessions. Right. And that was the B-side to Wings, uh, the first single, and Drowning okay. in the Sea of Love. Okay. Nice. I, I do, uh, you know, Joe said Hoochie Coochie, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, that's the, one of my top three, fa you know, Bukuza Blues is one of my top three favorite Ringo albums, so I'll, I'll go with Hoochie Coochie. And I do like Blind Man, by the way. Even yeah. <laughs> as morose as it is, I like it. Cool. All right. Thank you, Robert. Good question. Yes. Yeah, good, good question. question. Okay, I'm moving and along. Adam, or did you say I have anything else to say? Ad Kit, uh, Ken? Uh, I thought Mike was next. I thought. That's okay. uh, no, we're going with the with in the order of raised hands, and unfortunately, okay. Mike, Mike is last. Let's actually, just, let's just... <laughs> but uh, Adam, you're okay. you're next. Uh, so quickly, my friend. Yeah, let's go fast. Adam, you there? You got to unmute. I'm here. There, there you go. You go. Uh, How you doing, I, Adam? I want to say thank you for uh, letting doing this. And uh, my question is, uh, what do you guys think of the thoughts on these kind of books, the novels, like the fan fiction of? Uh, this one's the death and life of Mal Evans. So, um, oh. just thoughts on fiction of fiction novels of the Beatles. I think uh, the only one I know is that Mark Shipper book. Uh, what is it? Paperback, paperback writer. Paperback writer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun to read that early on. That was a bizarre thing of what would happen if the Beatles got back together and they were a flop, really, more or less. I, from what I got out of it, that was fun. I actually wrote um, an article about this years ago in Beetle Fan Magazine, um, and it's, uh, I mean, we could, we could do a whole episode on this, but it's, I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty fascinating because, I mean, you know, fan fiction itself dates, you know, way back, um, and when the internet came along, of course, it, I mean, it exploded, um, and Beatles fan fiction in particular, I mean, it's been around, I'm sure, since the 60s. Um, and into the 70s, I mean, back then it was just, you know, kind of passed around, I think, um, you know, through almost, you know, photocopied newsletters and things like that. And then when the internet came along, I mean, it, it just, as I said, absolutely exploded because you could just publish it on the web um, for low cost and, and worldwide audience. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's every kind you can you know, possibly imagine. Um, some of it can be very well done. I mean, I've, I've read some that, uh, you know, if they do their, their homework and, and it's historically accurate, some of it can be, you know, can be pretty well done. Um, some of it, you know, it's, uh, can be a little cringeworthy. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, but, and I do know some writers um, who, who have written it. Do and, you? And, and they take it very seriously. I mean, some of them do really take it seriously. Um, but, you know, sometimes I've read, you know, when I was doing research for this article, you know, when you read about John picking up his iPhone and, and you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's going to be bad. Gotcha. All right. Well, I, I have no horse in this race. So I'm going to um, bow out. I'm, I'm sorry about that, Adam, but uh, I haven't read any of those kind of books. Um, but uh, Ken, have you? No, I'm in the same category as you. I have absolutely no interest in fan fiction. I'm sorry, Adam. Awesome. You know, it's never, you know I, I could see myself reading Paperback Writer just for the humor of it all. Yeah, you know, but um, there's so much to learn about the Beatles and never ends. And there's always new books coming out. 
that because of the shows that I do, I have to read them. I never right. get around to that. That's that's yeah. not as important to me. So. But as I said, you know, some some people really do take it seriously, really do the oh. research, and mm. you know, so. Um, but uh, but as I said, some of it, yes, it's it's you know, it can be cringeworthy. But uh, <laughs> but you know, as I said, I do know some uh, writers, and and they really you know take it very seriously and and work really hard at it. So uh, yeah, would you, uh, but, would you consider the script for yesterday that kind of? That kind of thing. I would yeah, say hey, so. You know, I didn't think of that. <laughs> I, w I actually, yeah, yeah um, uh, I would consider that fan fiction. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Um, yeah, if it was point. put in the form of a movie, I definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like yesterday, because yeah. yes, I love that right. movie. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you very much, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Good thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, is uh, Saul here? Are you there, Saul? Because I don't see a picture of you. Oh, hey guys, there, there he is. is. Hey, hey, all right. What's How up? How you guys doing? Good. Good. Um, a little tired. Uh, congr congratulations on 50 episodes. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, Thank you. Thanks. Rooting for more, rooting for more to come. <laughs> You'll get them. You'll get them. Okay. We'll, right. we'll try. Okay. Well, my question is, um, and because and because you're involving the Beatles into the discussion, I want to get your opinion, guys' opinion about the reissues that has happened over the years um do you guys have any particular favorites that you know or, or some that stand out in your opinion oh, huh? reissues okay uh kit you want to start off with reissues um well What's first of all you know when the um 2009 reissues came out i was so excited i mean that was the first um the, oh, yeah. the excitement uh, oh, oh what oh yeah oh yeah i had i had my wife uh wait outside of Best Buy to get the box out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, because, I mean, truly, after all those years of listening to the ones that sounded like they were remastered in tin cans, it was yeah. really great to finally get some decent-sounding uh, remasters. So that was really exciting. As far as the more recent ones, um, I think probably the Sgt. Pepper one was my favorite uh, in terms of the sound. Um you know, Same. that really knocked me out. I mean, the other ones, I mean, the White Album and, and the Abbey Road mm. um, remasters and the box sets, they were great. But I would say the Sgt. Pepper one, the, just the sound of it, it, it just clarified so much for me. And there were sounds in it that, you know, certain, you know, guitar riffs and some sound effects and things like that, that I had never noticed before, that I could just hear clear as a bell for the first time and uh I agree. And so that's that was my favorite uh that was a, almost like a not to be over dramatic but kind of a a revelation for me um, and what about the, the solo in a new way yeah what and what about solo? the solo uh, and the solo. Um, I would say I love the Imagine box set. Mm. Yep. I thought that was beautifully done. You know, absolutely oh, yeah. beautifully done. And uh, and it really, um, I, I mean, I hope that's that's a sign of more to come from the Lennon estate because, uh, you know, I just thought it it, it was uh, just first class in design and also just gave you a great insight in, into yeah. how that album was made. So yeah, my the standouts for me are the ones when they had uh, just the strings from from Imagine and how, oh, absolutely, uh, how, yeah. isolated tracks. Yeah, yeah incredible. That was, it it 
it drew it had water in my eyes when I heard yeah. that. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, it was, yeah, yeah, you know, I was kind of really upset that McCartney doesn't do stuff like that for his box sets, uh, those isolated, you know, strings or vocals or whatnot for his box sets. But yeah, that you know. Uh, the Imagine Box set is, is, is really, it was a great set. Uh, I'll definitely agree with Kid on that. And uh, I'll go for the White Album on the on the Beatles end of it. I was really happy with, with that box set, and especially getting the Easter demos, which I know has already been bootlegged out there, but to have it, you know, officially and, and you know, listen to that, um, I was really pleased. And, and yeah. uh, you know, just so many great, you know, tracks on there anyways you know that are all you know out of left field whether it's uh you know piggies or you know uh, while my gently weeps or you know happiness is a warm gun just i mean a lot of great tracks on it and i that's that was mine but uh yeah. ken for you um like kit i love the 2009 remasters i thought it was a great job i still use them most of mm -hmm. the time for everything uh yeah. the beatles box sets i i definitely love the white album the most i loved it there's so much they gave you they yeah. remixed the album. They gave you three discs of outtakes plus the demos. What yeah. more can you possibly ask for? There's some things there. I mean, I've heard the White Album demos in much more inferior quality. This was so, so much better, what came out of the box set. Certain things from the outtakes, like I love that instrumental version of Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except for Me and My Monkey and how <laughs> it works as an instrumental jam. Right. It was really cool. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> you know, and just certain things that you you didn't hear before in the remix, you know. I really feel that, especially with Revolution Number One, I feel like I'm really in the room with them, where I can hear everything, like they're right in your face. You know, right. I think a great job was done with the White Album. I love all three, Sgt. Pepper, White Album, Abbey Road. I always feel like they could have done more for Abbey Road, though. Yeah. Um, and of all the solo stuff, definitely imagine. And if we can have the same thing for all of John's solo albums, I'd be very, very happy. The same, <laughs> yeah, really, same approach, right. you know, use that as the template. Right. It was done on a And I like what you said about the, the instrumental, um, the backing tracks, just hearing that, like mm -hmm. on, on um, you know, something, mm -hmm. or those songs are golden slumbers, because it makes you realize, you know, the work that George Martin did on those Beatle records. Um, something is so understated what he did as far as the orchestration on there. Um, oh, yeah. And the McCartney ones, probably Flowers in the Dirt, Flaming Pie, Ram. Those are probably the best. I always feel like even on the ones where he gives you a lot, he could still give you more. Right. Yeah. There are certain ones that I'm really disappointed in now, even still, the ones where you have uh, the bonus audio where there's like seven tracks. Yeah, like yeah. Brings the speed of sound. Brings the speed of like, sound. Come yeah. on, yeah, I can't believe good. there can't be an outtake for every single song right. on that album that you couldn't put there. Venus yeah. Mars was done pretty well, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Speed of sound was a disappointment. I like Tug of War and Pipes of Peace, what was done there. But now, because things are gradually changing, and I think that there's a lot more attention being given to demos in particular, like we saw in Flaming Pie, I think that that we'll probably see more of that if they exist in what lies ahead from him. Gotcha. But, um, you know, still, I, I get very disappointed overall with right. what Paul's done. As much as I praise the box <laughs> sets, I always feel like he could have given us more. Agreed. Uh, Joe? Um, when it comes to uh, Giles Martin stuff, I'm kind of hit and miss. I mean, I, I liked, I think, Sergeant Pepper may be the best. Um, I, definitely on all three, uh, you're talking about Pepper and the White Album. 
and also Abbey Road. I like the all the extras, the extra stuff. I appreciate. Yep. But as far as the actual Giles Martin uh, mixes, some of them uh, are good, some of them not. I, I still, uh, it's unforgivable to me to really like drown out. I've got blisters on my fingers on Helter Skelter. Hmm. But yeah. it was interesting to see yeah. like long, like George's song, like long, 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 get a look brought up. I think Kit was saying that that's one that she never was. You, you said that, Kit? You didn't care for that song as too much. And, and then maybe with this version, I think it was you. Yeah, but yeah. It's a little bit more, in, you know, interesting. Yes, um, I, I, I yeah, remember exactly. one thing that sticks out on my mind is, is in Abbey Road, some of the extras. I love that version of I Want You, She's So Heavy with mm. uh, the organ for Billy Preston really. Yeah. Going yes. crazy. I, I, that's yeah. the first thing that I liked. And then uh, John John doing Julia, with, working it out with like George Martin and mm -hmm. talking about it. And version of Good Night is very good on there with all, all of them on there. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, so, a, that's a tearjerker. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there's, there's although the extras on those reissues I, I, I love. The actual mixes themselves, like I said, for me, hit and miss. And solo-wise, everybody has pretty much mentioned the Imagine Box. I thought it was such a fantastic job done on those songs. Not too much mm -hmm. changed, just enough, I thought, on the mixes, you know, changing it around. And all the extras, which were mentioned. Um, okay. Those are some of my favorites. Cool. All right. Thank you. Good uh, question. Thank you, thank, appreciate right. that. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you <laughs> thank got you, it. Sal. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, we're going to jump to Mike now. I know he's been patiently waiting. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> then we'll go back to yeah. the other two. So, Mike. Hi, Mike. Did I do this right? Yes. Yep. You're you hear Mike. me? Hi, yes. Mike. Let's yes. talk more talk. Big fan. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. My internet's been breaking up, so I didn't know if well, you'd be able to hear me. No, yeah, you're yeah. fine. Um, I'm clear. Congratulations, 50 shows. Big fan. Congratulations to Ken. Great book. Uh -huh. Great. Um, my question for you, I love your show. I think Thank it's excellent. You. I always look forward to your news segments. Mm -hmm. Ken Michaels has been giving me news since 1983. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Yes. And Ken yeah. Michaels probably single-handedly turned me on to the solo music of George Harrison. Oh, great. I'm Thank probably, you. I'm guessing about 10 years younger than Ken. So I kind of grew up with the Beatles, but Wings at the same time did not know much about George Harrison. Oh. So I credit Ken for a lot of that. Okay. My question relates to news. Okay. The last five days, all I'm hearing is McCartney <laughs> 3, McCartney 3, McCartney 3. So yes. my question is, it seems like there's definitely a solo album coming. It, it seems. Mm -hmm. What are the chances, if you could give me in your expert Beatle opinions of, is he really going to play McCartney 3, 50th anniversary? Give me a percentage that you think he will or he won't. And if he does, in a fantasy land, how do you see him promoting it? I have a million ways in my mind I think I could see him doing it. But do you think it's really going to be McCartney 3, in your opinions, and how do you see him promoting it? And great show, and thanks for doing this. Thank you Thanks, much. Mike. Can I say one thing to start off Please. with that? Because I just did a video just talking about the rumor of it. And... Um, I think at this point, I was a little skeptical before, but now it, it's it's pointing to be kind of like it could be legitimate, a legitimate rumor, not official yet, but all the things that I've read, you know, legitimacy factor, it's kind of looking like it. But I, I started to wonder after I made the video, I didn't say it in the video, I started thinking, 
I want to know in Paul, like we think we do, if if that would be, he, he'd let that be his last album. I'm not saying he's ever going to stop. We also, also know that Paul's a workaholic, and if he made this album, that doesn't mean it's going to be his last. You know, he probably would do more. But if it should wind up, I wonder if it's in his mind that he, would he want to go out on that kind of an album. Uh, just going by, say, McCartney 2, which I enjoy, uh, but a lot of critics didn't. Uh, even the first McCartney album, because he just went off on Egypt Station being number one. And I've been wondering a little bit with Paul kind of have a little ego there, wondering if, well, that's a good way to go out with a number one album, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm wondering on that part too, would he re- would he do the album thinking that maybe it wouldn't, on a chance it wouldn't be as well received? Would he want to go out on that? Hmm. Okay. Uh, Kit? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, anything's possible, but certainly... Hey, you know, it's kind of the same scenario as as um, McCartney too. You know, being uh, locked uh, locked up by himself. Uh, had plenty of time uh, during the pandemic uh, when he was uh, stuck in, uh, in England. So I mean, it, it. I mean, the conditions were certainly right for him to uh, do an album like this. Um, as far as publicity, of course, it's a little more difficult um, considering the condition uh, the circumstances we're in right now he can't do a carpool karaoke uh like he did for egypt station which was a, a stroke of genius um so he's gonna have to be a little more creative this time but um but you know he can he, obviously he can still do interviews and and he can do i mean he'll have to do a lot of online stuff um but you know, look what happened with Egypt Station. As long as he does enough, you know, promotion um, for us um, and, you know, maybe does some creative videos, I mean, just harness the power of, of doing stuff online, um, you know, and, and he can do some performances online too, of course. Um, you know, I think he'll, he could make it work. Uh, it may not be quite the success that Egypt Station was because uh, he can't do a lot in person. Uh, but, um, you know, but I, I think he could, he could probably, uh, you know, uh, make it work now. Is this his last album? Who knows? But, uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see, but certainly, I mean, I'm kind of not surprised that this happened because as I said, he's, you know, stuck at home (laughs) for all these months. Like we all, we all were. So why not? Why not make an album? (laughs) Good. It's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Ken yeah. Michaels. Uh, thank you, Mike, for all those kind words. You know, it meant a lot to me. You being there for me since my WDHA days <laughs> means a lot. And uh, I'm glad you dig all the news. Um, and um, I, this is my guess. I really think it's going to happen. I could be wrong, but uh, I think it has absolutely nothing to do with the 40th anniversary. You know, mm-hmm. with the one exception of when Paul had the 25th anniversary of Ben on the Run release. None of his archival releases have anything to do with anniversaries. It's only the Beatles group stuff that have been 50th anniversary. But because of the quarantine situation, I think it's the perfect opportunity. And Paul's always creative and he's always writing. And this would be a nice gift for us. He's had a habit in recent years of putting something out around New Year's Eve. I don't know if you ever noticed that. There'll always be a song like Hope for the Future or or, uh, 
maybe in the blink of an eye came out on New Year's Eve. Just dropped it, you know. As, Good as enough. As long as it doesn't sound like the one that came out last New Year's Eve. Get enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What, get enough? Yeah. Okay. Mixed reaction to that. But uh, <laughs> no, I think that uh, he's going to have to do, he's going to have to make videos. He could do a lot of um, live performances, virtual ones online. He probably won't have his band you know, to do it. So it's probably just going to be him and an acoustic guitar or a keyboard. And that would be fine. And he could do loads of interviews. You know, um, you know, I believe that Egypt Station hit number one because of all the promotion that he did and all the drumming up with the carpool karaoke and all that. And it was a miracle that it made it to number one, but it didn't have the staying power that I wish it would have because radio wouldn't really touch him. Um, so the same thing could happen with a McCartney three, it would probably go top 10 initially and then drop very quickly. But I can see him, he's always gonna promote his work. The easiest thing for him to do is just set up a camera and do right. something virtual. That doesn't take much. Yeah. And he's, he's got the money where he can make videos and they'll probably be very simple videos, mm -hmm. you know? He's had a lot of fan videos lately where he doesn't even have to do the work. Right. <laughs> Come on to you me. Know, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great day. Yeah. A brand new one for great right. day. So, you know, that's probably how he would promote it. But um, yeah, I could see an album of 10, 12 songs from mm -hmm. McCartney 3 and coming out in December like it's been rumored. And if this is all true, then we could be hearing something in three weeks more definite about it, and maybe a new single. But again, at this point, it's just a rumor. Just a rumor. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think I, all the excitement over the last couple of weeks about it, um, I think just the fact that it's, if it is indeed called McCartney 3 alone, I think the excitement over that title um, will, would, would boost it up into the top 10, you know, with, without any promotion. But I, I, I think, um, you know, promotion, I think, you know, Paul's a genius when it comes to promotion. I don't think he'll be able to do anything like a carpool karaoke like he was able to do with uh, Egypt Station. I, I think maybe something like that is out of the question right, right now. Um, but uh, and the fact that too, this is we're celebrating his 50th year as a solo artist, so it really makes sense that something like this comes out at the end of the year. So I think that um, is, is important. So I, you know, I want this to happen just like everybody else. But right now, I'm going to give like a 50 percent uh, right now that it's uh, that it's going to happen. And um, I'm trying not to get too excited. Let's just say that. Yeah, I know. yeah. You know, I'm gonna just try to keep my excitement level down in case there is any any disappointment <sighs> in that. But uh, the hope of a McCartney three, I think, is is just what uh, this community I think would be very happy happy for, um, just because of everything yeah. we've dealt with. Amen. This this yeah. year, you know. So I agree. Can I say one more thing? Please. Uh, I would say it was probably a couple months ago. I saw Ken Michaels mention it in someone's comment, like, oh, perfect time for a McCartney 3. Yeah. And I saw some of Mr. Mayo's video, which I love your videos too. Oh, two legs, you. love it all. Thank you. Everything's great. But when I read it two, three months ago, I was like, there's no way he'd do that. But in the last five days, I'm going with 100%. I yeah. think this is happening. <laughs> exactly. I think it's happening. I think you're going to see a streaming event where he records all the other instruments, his Flaming Pie performances in 97. And I'm giving this a go. I think you'll see an announcement right after the Give Me Some Truth Lennon birthday anniversary. I hope so. I hope uh, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's like, hope uh, you're right. Like, like Kid said, you know, you give that guy, you know, three to five months alone, you know. What's he going to do but make music? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nothing else to do. Exactly. And he was away from his wife, too, apparently. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know. Yeah. 
Exactly. Got to do something. Right. Yeah, he and can't Mary, explore. who was on the front cover of the first album, will take yeah. the photo. Of course. Yeah. Uh, She'll be, sure her her head and now will be popping out of a jacket. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he should have a, the cover before should have and a after, Before and after shot. I think should have uh, the mask on. No? The That'd be fine. What a great way to end, like, the worst year. And, exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. It really right. is. So. That would but be. anyway, thank you for your podcast and doing yeah. this. It's a lot of fun. And thank you guys you, are great. Thank, thank you, Mike. Mike. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it. Mike. That All right, would be the perfect present. Thank be. you. So, All right, um, last of, two. All right, one of our big supporters. We really appreciate Tom yeah. Brennan being here with us. And Tom, yeah. unmute yourself and uh, you know, ask away. Hey, Tom. Hey, hi, hi, everybody. Hey, Tom. Hey, good to see you. All right. Um, what is your favorite George Harrison song? That's a cover version. Solo oh, wow. and Beatles. Oh, wow. Oh, um, Joe? The first one that I, I always, always springs to mind for me is Baltimore Oriole, solo-wise. Mm. I, I never heard the song before the original or anything, but uh, I, I always loved this, just the sound of it, just whimsical and stuff. I, re I really, really like that. Uh, as far as you're saying now, that's the solo you want to know. Right, the Beatle with, one as well. With the Beatles, um, I'll go real quick here. I'm thinking of them all. Oh, there's a, there's a bunch. Well, I might go with "Roll Over Beethoven." The way, specifically, the way it, it's it's recorded on, you know, the with the Beatles, or you know, Beatles second album, if you like. I like the way that, that they do it. You know, uh, their version of it. I mean, I like Chuck Berry's too, mm. but <laughs> very much. But uh, that's a favorite of mine. All right, uh, Kit. Uh, for solo, uh, Devil in the Deep Blue Sea. Mm -hmm. sound. Love that. Love that. Charming. Um, throwback to, you know, loving uh, his love of music hall, George Formby, all that. Um, just really charming. Um, I'm going to be a little, uh, little different with uh, his uh, covers from the Beatles years. I'm going to go back to the Decca auditions because I think he was really the, the standout of the Decca yeah. auditions. Um, and um, I love, um, you know, Three Cool Cats. I mm. thought he was great in that. Mm. Also, Sheikah Verbi. I'm ah, kind of torn no, between no, the two. One, kids. One. <laughs> <laughs> I'm torn. I'm torn. You, okay, that's fine. Not I'm torn, me, but... but yeah. Okay. All right. I'll I'll do Sheikah Barabee because it's okay. just so fun. Right. It's I'll do that one. But uh, but cool. yeah, he was the star of the Deco auditions. I think he saved both. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Complete disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I, I for some reason I've always had a, a big love affair for everybody's trying to be my baby. Um, I yeah. I just like his vocals. I like his his, his guitar playing on, on that track. Um, solo wise, wow. Um, does uh, I mean does I don't want to do it count? Uh, you know, I mean, sure. Dylan, right? I mean, Dylan, yeah. So, I mean, I've always enjoyed that song, and it's a song that I just discovered with, um, with the, the "Let Me Roll" or, or uh, um, the the compilation. Let it roll. Yeah, let it roll. Thank you. Um, you know, I I I remember watching Porky's too as a kid when I shouldn't have watched it, but uh, you know, the volume was turned down, so I was, you know, <laughs> it's not even in the movie if I remember it, correctly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. So I didn't know if it was part of the movie or not. Or you hear, I think soundtrack. somebody's 
something about a, yeah. fixing a car or something with a car right. and you hear very faint okay. on the radio in the background, very quiet gotcha. when you hear it. Right. Very for a couple of seconds. Yeah. But I'll pick that because it's it's the newest uh cover, you know, to me. Um but Ken? Well, I can easily say between the devil and the deep blue sea, but mm -hmm. just to be different, um I think true love. Mm. Fantastic cover of that song. Mm. Great slide guitar work from George on there. Could have easily have been it should have been a big hit record. Right. And Very great commercial video. sounding. Yeah. <laughs> with Neil <laughs> Innes in there. Right. Neil Innes yeah. was was a guardian angel in there. <laughs> um and for uh the Beatles, I'm gonna go with the BBC recording. Oh, How about okay. nothing shaking but the leaves on the tree, which yeah. is one of my favorites. Nice. You know? I never get tired of hearing that one. Very you know, cool. I, he did so much. That that's one thing that that Brian Epstein insisted was that George get more lead right. vocals at that time. Things changed once they had their record contract, but um, for BBC, it, it Brian felt that they would be even you know more special if they had three lead vocals mm -hmm. in the group. You know, three main lead vocalists. Okay. But uh, yeah, nothing shaken. Cool. Great picks. Thank Good you, picks. Tom. Thanks, Tom. Great Thank question. You. Appreciate Thanks. it. And last Thank but not least, uh, I think it was the last person that joined us, Marv. Marvin. <laughs> Good old Marv. Hey. Yes. Unmute yourself and there ask. He is. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, buddy. Hey, before I hey. ask the question, I want to show you a, a pin that I got from Ken Michaels, a Talk More Talk pin. Hey, oh, okay. Hey. Nice. Thank you, Ken. Where are you from? I won this contest, and, and uh, this, this was in the mail. Thank you, Ken. Okay. Uh, the, welcome. Got to wear it every day, though. <laughs> uh, I, I, just, I, I just thought about it while I was waiting my turn uh, okay. to, to uh, ask a question. But a, a question I have here, trying to wake up here. But <laughs> the question I have is uh, is about remix. Well, uh, remixing the solo Beatles album. Now I understand a lot of John's solo work was was remixed back in the two thousands, and there's mm -hmm. also a remix of the Tug of War album mm -hmm. uh, in in the archive series. If there's a solo Beatles album that you like to see re remix, what would that be and why? Hmm. Interesting. It's easy enough for me. Okay, let's go ahead, Joe. Uh, well, all things must pass. Um, well, you know, I mean, because I want to be able to hear stuff like Wah Wah really cleaner, and George didn't really like the, the uh, quality yeah. of that when Phil Spector did it. But, you know, I. but that said, I do like Phil Spector, and in a way I say, all things must pass the album. Wouldn't be all things must pass if it didn't sound the way we're used to it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of weird, but but I really would be curious if they could ever do it. Hopefully, I was thinking for the 50th anniversary they were going to do something. But I really would like to hear uh, some of that a lot more clearer, George's vocals more discernible. And something like uh, A Waiting on You All really might need uh, to be able to hear the words rather than always checking the lyric sheet. What is he saying? <laughs> so, there you go. I agree with you, Joe. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> we we agree. A um, lot. I probably would say London Town. Yeah. London pick. Town has a very muddy feel to it. Very heavy 70s sound to it. That could definitely be cleaned up overall. You know, that's one that stands out for me. Most of the production on solo Beatles albums I've been very happy with. I, yeah. That's a yeah, good I, one. 
maybe I hmm. might pick uh, the first McCartney record. Um, again, you know, maybe it's the, the, the sound quality of that one maybe could have been, could be a little bit better, um, you know. But I the remastering, the remastering you didn't like of McCartney? Oh, I thought we were just talking about a, a remix in general, yeah. which is a okay. little bit different. You know, Re remix, yeah. not you know, remix and remastering are two different things. You know, re know. remix and yeah. yeah so right. I, I meant remix. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but uh, and then you know I think all things must pass too. I, I agree with Joe, but uh, absolutely. So let's see if the, hopefully that's uh, that'll be part of the all things must pass. But then you think if it's going to be part of all things must pass, then that's another two discs that you got to throw, you got to throw in that set. You know, so. And if they're just going to remaster it, why remix it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, Kit? Yeah, I mean, All Things Must Pass would be my number one choice. And um, I guess number two, um, I'd like to see Walls and Bridges get a get an overhaul. Um, I love Walls that Walls and album. Bridges was Walls and Bridges what? was remixed. Well, they did it. A, what, was, yeah. When was it? Was that uh, uh, two thousand four? I believe. Oh, yeah. oh, it needs it needs another overhaul since then <laughs> like imagine to, like, had another remix yeah I, i'd yeah. like to hear yeah i'd like to hear another because i love that you know i love that album i think that that's an underrated uh hopefully we'll be doing an episode on that in the future and uh that's one of my favorite john lennon albums so i yeah. i always felt uh that you know john's albums really need remixing um, absolutely yeah, yeah i just mm. you know so i would love to have that get you know with new technology and all let's let's get that and cool. uh, and mind games too i mean mind you know. games definitely yeah what, that's what, bloody oh, okay. oh what about that wonderful i, I don't want to keep contradicting what, what i forget the year 2002 cd that came out of mind games mm -hmm. again well, i i believe it was 2003 yeah, because that was that was no, really, 2002, uh, I believe. Yeah, around yeah. that time. I mean, yeah, it needs an update. Y y Yoko also did the rock and roll too, right? I mean, yeah, that she, was, yeah, rock the, and she roll. did the whole yeah. catalog. She did the whole catalog. Yeah, yep. Update, up, update, up, up the up the rock and roll, and and uh, there was also a remix of Live Peace in Toronto, and and the Plastic Ono Band album as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been happy with the remasters when the box set came out in 2010. The um, signature box. Yep. Um, oh yeah. I love the sound on those. I never, I never had a problem with mind games and walls and bridges myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe sometime in New York City could be remixed. Yeah. Uh, you know, but um, yeah, I, I like I John's production. That. I like John's production. Mm -hmm. A part, part of rock and roll could be remixed, although it already was. But I mean, if you want an updated one. Yes. Update, cool. update. Uh, you know. All right. Great answer, wow. guys. Yeah. Well, thanks, thank Mark. You, Good Mark. question. Well, you're, well, you're welcome. By the uh, way, one thing. You're welcome. Could yeah. I, could I just say a quick, a quick thank you to Tom Brennan? Because for those of you that love the news, he gives me a ton of it, especially for, <laughs> for like dark horse artists. He just sent me some information about someone that was on Ringo Records, and I don't keep up to date on you know that specialized, right. but he knows this stuff, you know. Yeah. He sent me information about a Henry McCullough live uh, CD and DVD yep. um, that I hope to check out soon. And he gave it uh, a glowing review. So thank you for that, Tom. Appreciate yeah, thank yeah, you, there Tom. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's right. Well, we got them all in. We got all the questions. Yeah, that was Yay. Yay. 
Uh, Kit, you got a lot of work ahead of you. I know. <laughs> one that does the editing, uploading, but, all that stuff. Yeah, no, but yeah. I think it would work good in it, uh, as a two-part upload. Yes, I'll do two. that. Mm. Mm. If we Oops. get off real fast. <laughs> the longer they are, the harder. Getting late, are. Joe? What's that? It's getting late, right? Well, it's not that. It's just uh, the uploading, uh, it longer a video is, right? Yeah, the longer it takes to upload. upload oh, yeah. true. Mm. Yeah. But right. Well, we want to thank you all for being here. Yeah, it's late. You're very welcome. And you know, hopefully, <laughs> we'll do this again in the future. Um, for sure. This was great. The one was fun. Maybe, yeah. And, uh, we'll do this all over again. And, and you know, you guys stuck around. You know, obviously, a couple people left already, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. Thank thanks for, a lot for waiting. Yeah, for waiting. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, you know, is everybody in the yeah. states here? I, Anybody? I work, uh, I work from home, so it doesn't matter. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> But, <sighs> all right and, and all right, really and and thank you all you know we can't do the show without you guys you that, guys yeah. have been yeah. with us uh, for so long and and tune in all the time whether live or on the replay and that's why we wanted you to be part of this 50th episode yep because you're a part so. of the show yeah. if any of you have ideas for this show yeah feel right us. yeah let us know we want to know we're always looking for ideas. Can we Talk all sing uh, Consciously Conscious to close? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, in just a minute, we will ask you to all unmute yourselves to, to say right. goodbye. But but just in, in a minute. <laughs> so, yeah. Tom. So, yeah, yeah, you know, if, if like Ken said, if you do have any thoughts about a future show that, you know, maybe we, we forgot about, you know, you can uh, email us at talkmoresolotalk at gmail.com and uh, I'll check it out. And um you know, hopefully maybe one day it'll, it'll become an episode. Uh, wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. Oh, and we can also announce we finally have ah. a website. <laughs> we finally <laughs> have a website. We're finally professional. So <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, talk, uh, talkmoretalk.com, and mm -hmm. it is live. So uh, it's still a work in progress, but we're hoping to upload news reviews all that kind of stuff um and uh but it is up we'll have all the latest episodes and that kind of stuff um and uh so it's it is uh up and uh, so we're debuting that tonight as well great thank you kids all right so everyone want to unmute yourselves kid how do you want to do this okay everybody unmute yourself <laughs> Oh, so you're going to hear a lot of echo, probably. Yeah. All right. So thank you all for joining us tonight. And uh, everybody say good night. 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 Everybody everywhere, good night. Peace and love. Peace and love. Happy International Peace Day. Love you take is equal to the love you make. Long live the queen. The queen of all media. There you go. There you go. Encourage the princess girl. Congratulations. Talk, more talk, chat, more chat. Talk.